1: Dance with the devil in the pale mind. I always ask out of all my brain. I just like the podcast like it's 1989. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1989. Fish mouth, Baby fish mouth! Hello and welcome to podcast Like It's 1989, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1989 from John Goodman's daughter's wedding here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart, And I'm Phyllis Gove, And back with us, uh, fresh off the very thought of you, is the host of the Screen cool. Drafts Podcast, all-around yeah. great guy. Woo. Uh, doesn't know this is a surprise podcast, or I'm just going to pitch him new ideas for me on screen drafts. Hey, <laughs> Keller,
2: <coughs> Kenny, I, I, it's very, it's very endearing that you think I would not expect you to pitch me uh, ideas for screen drafts topics.
1: Do, um, do you know, do, do you know what I do before I go to bed? What? Oh my god! I think of a screen drafts topic, uh huh, and try to do my list. <laughs> because i uh because you imagine do you, imagine, I'm a, do you, I'm you have obsessed. like a,
2: are you shadow boxing do you have like an imaginary competitor no no there's no reason to do that
1: <laughs> um <laughs> but when i pitched you when i pitched you suburbia which right. you had on your board mm-hmm. uh i uh I, I made my list before and make sure that there you know it was a good there was a good robot. Wow. What's, what's your what's your number one suburbia movie my number one suburbia movie? I didn't do it in order. I, I just. Say how,
2: how high uh, would Penelope Spheres' Suburbia be? <laughs>
1: uh, I, I, you know what? It's on. Higher than suburbia, Richard Linklater's Suburbia? It's on. Uh, it's Penelope Spheres' Suburbia is the one I know about. Is there a Richard Linklater Link- Suburbia? It's never been on movie? DVD.
2: Linklater in like 94 or 95 made a movie called Suburbia that's only ever been on uh, VHS and video. Penelope Spheres' Suburbia
3: it is on suburbia is on itunes for what it's worth and it's oh, yeah, based yeah. On, a, on a on a um a bogosian play Ooh, yeah it's actually canelope
1: spears is, suburbia is, is a great movie there are so many good fucking suburb, suburb movies just this is looking the, at uh, my list real fast looking yeah, please, at my list yeah, yeah, real yeah, fast yeah and phil i i say this mostly you know as a man after your heart okay probably the ice storm yes um but there's uh, a lot there's a lot so good. a lot of great flicks a lot of great flicks um, so many what that, yeah.
3: what better way to start our <laughs> sea of love episode than to talk about a uh fictional suburbia screen dress episode that uh isn't gonna happen so
1: sea of love something.
2: Sea of Love, oh look, we will do suburbia. I, I just think there's so many facets of suburbia we may need to subdivide a little bit. I, uh, I kept
1: it to 80s and 90s on mine.
2: We could do it by <laughs> era, we could do it by genre. There's a lot of ways to do suburbia. Yeah, yeah. But it is, yep. Phil, it is funny. Sea of Love is could not be
3: less
1: suburban movie. of a, a suburban, less suburban movie. Uh
3: so I had never seen Sea of Love before watching it the other day. Um I knew of Sea of Love. I believe that that my mom likes this movie. Feels like that's a thing. Um, I know that this movie holds sort of this weird spot in Pacino's career. Sort of the the fulcrum point of, you know, he was apparently considering just walking away from film entirely at this point. Um, Diane Keaton convinces him to do this film, which is interesting. Um, And this film was a success brought him back you know his career you know obviously has gone on for 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 many decades since um and it's interesting that this is that movie like it's kind of a weird movie and I'm excited to talk about it um but how did I know I know Clay that you're a big sea of love fan and I'm wondering how it came into your life and why you picked it
2: I uh, do not remember why I picked it. So I worked for a long time at a video store. I, I, I mean, I, I know why I picked it for your show. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember why I picked it up initially to right. watch it. Um, I worked at Vidiots in Santa Monica for, for many years. And, you know, when you're working at a video store, you just have lots of time to just yep. look at all the fucking boxes that are on the shelf. <laughs> and and it might have been, no, you know what? I do remember what it was. Okay, so actually, honestly, shout out to Jason Manzukis on how did this get made. It was an episode years ago, five or six years ago. They were really? talking about maybe Color of Night,
1: the yeah, Bruce yeah, Willis. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. one uh, of the worst movies ever made. Terrible yes. movie,
3: yeah.
2: And, and I want to say, Jason Manzukis was saying, you know, if you want a good, like, I love this genre, you want a good erotic thriller, mm-hmm. you know, mystery like this, watch Sea of Love. Not to me, I wasn't a guest on the show. <laughs>
3: yes, I understand.
2: I was a listener. But I, <laughs> I, I acted like he was speaking directly to me. And I took his, his uh, recommendation, right. and I watched Sea of Love, and I, I had a blast with it. And then several years later, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, at The Arrow, they showed a double feature of Harold Becker movies, mm. starting both on 35, starting with Sea of Love, followed by Malice malice which is a movie i adore uh malice. As well. malice. that's a great that's crazy movie yeah. uh was a l- wonderful double feature but it was all the more special they had becker there and al pacino was there for a q a oh, wow. afterwards and usually oh, wow. q a's are awful my friend ryan marker who i co-host screen drafts with was the manager of the is the manager of the arrow he moderated the q a it was a great oh, wow. q a pacino was a delight he got there early he watched the movie which as you guys know Q&A guests almost never do Uh, he watched the movie and then when it was done full house he like trotted down the aisle and was like hey it's like whoa that's a good movie he's like I love watching a movie in a theater with people it's like it seemed like he hadn't done that in however long and he was just stoked so much so that by the end of the Q&A he was pitching Ryan other movies they could show that he could come back and do Q&A's for wow one of the best QA's I've ever seen. Anyway, had a great time watching it. I love the, the drum I always beat is that rep theaters need to play more 80s and 90s studio movies because yeah. I have so many opportunities to see, uh, you know, God love it, but Ro- I've seen Rosemary's Baby in rep
1: 15 a times. times. So yeah. Yeah, sure.
2: You, there's, you do not run, there's certain movies you do not run out of opportunities to see in rep. And I love all those movies, Mm -hmm. but the movies you never get to see in rep. And for people like me who were too young to see them in the theaters, these movies, and I've said this to you, Phil, before Crimson Tide, I would sell a kidney to see yeah. Crimson Tide in Green a movie, movie theater. theater. Yeah. And yep. it's just never gonna happen.
3: It's funny, we were talking about this uh obviously on the previous episode we recorded but Backdraft is another one that I yeah. never got to see on the big screen. I bet this that movie would look fucking great it's on stuff a big screen. That would screen. play yeah. that
2: you know people yep. at the time took for granted and would play are they are big screen movies, yeah. but mm-hmm. because they're not fancy, yep. they uh you never get to see them. However, in this case Harold Becker was there. Both of these movies are movies like that. Uh yep. Sea of Love and, and Malice. And I was just like, I was happy as a pig in shit. It could
3: not have been a better night for me. I fucking loved it. Uh, I, yeah. You know, it's it's funny. I I sent both of you the poster for this film, which I think is a phenomenal poster. A might argue that the poster. The poster might be better than the movie. And the movie's it quite is. good, I think. But the poster is uh <laughs> I- <laughs> I, I I think it's a great poster. It almost looks like a Bond poster, um, and it's it's a weird movie for Al Pacino to be the lead in. Like it, it is sort of like I, I and I said that in the best way. Like it's it's got this kind of like blue collary cop thing, which which I do think works for Pacino. But there's this kind of sweeping, um, old school, you know, femme fatale thing. Is not really how I see Al
1: Pacino. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a Michael Douglas role, but yeah, yeah, which yeah. is fine. Like yeah. I mean, but he, I'm gonna do my thing with yeah, this yeah. movie. Okay. This movie is a little bit famous for people who have read Save the Cat because this is the movie that Blake. What's his name? The guy who wrote Blake Snyder. Really? I did not know this. Okay. Who wrote Save the Cat used as an example of saving the cat. To be like, it's not simply saving the cat. The reason you get on with Al Pacino in this movie is because he tells that criminal who brings his kid to the fake Yankees thing to go away. And you're like, all right, this guy is, has a heart. This guy is decent. This guy is out, you know, for good. But he's not going to embarrass the it's guy. It's a great moment. Yeah. yeah, it is. And you know that that you know I think everyone has their issues with screenplay manuals and whatever. I feel very strongly you should read them all and then disregard what doesn't work for you. But um, it's fair. But I think that that so so I've always kind of known about this movie because of that. I never watched this movie until. Uh, sometime during the pandemic Which could have been A year ago or a month ago uh, I have no concept uh, It was on Pluto My favorite I love catching random shit Pluto is, is is the repertory theater You're talking about Clay Where like you can catch all this cra- Obviously not on a big screen But you can catch all this stuff That it's. you'd think that it's all You know people who have been to Pluto know this isn't know this is the case but you'd think it basically be all bargain basement garbage shit there is so much great stuff on there um and i caught this on pluto from the beginning and really loved it like loved like i'm like oh this movie is so for me but it was you know 11 o'clock and i felt like i was you know finding something and it all kind of worked and i wasn't paying that much attention (laughs) and i think the more attention you pay to this movie the more it falls apart and I think this movie has kind of fallen apart for me. Um, however, there's a lot to love, and I, uh, I want to na- just.
4: I not, wanna wait, just want to
1: say one more thing. Nineteen Eighty Nine, New York City. Oh yeah, it, my like is, it, it's my ma- it, it's who I want to marry. <laughs> I love my wife, but I would rather marry Nineteen Eighty Nine New York City. It's, it's like, a very New York movie. Yeah. It is the just there's something about that that time. Right before Giuliani, even before Dinkins, that like end of the Koch era where the city like knew it had to do better. Like there was this thing where they're like, we can't be Taxi Driver New York. We can't be Triple X Theaters on every corner of New York. We can't be Crackhead New York. We can't be Graffiti New York. But like that is New York. So these two things were fighting each other so hard. And I fucking love that New York. So uh, that really, like, I mean, I just, the, the first thing I wrote in my notes is just, like, I could bathe in the visuals of this movie. Yeah.
3: The, the credit sequence alone, you're just oh. like, it's amazing. But I, I it's what I was going to say before you said that, Kenny, was, so I started watching it, and as we can all attest, like, the credits, you're just like fuck, yes, right? Like yeah. you have yeah. got Richard Jenkins and Michael Rooker, you know, sharing a credit together, <laughs> and you're just like, I'm oh, in, like whatever. It like dangerous, the fuck sexy saxophone yeah. music. It's just oh, great. It's yeah. great. Mm. And I texted mm. Kenny, and I was like, This is fucking great. And Kenny's like, Yeah, it's awesome. I'm halfway through it, and then he watched the other half. I'm assuming at a later date, and texted me and was like, Yeah, so maybe not so much. And I was like, Listen, I'm I'm totally into talk about the 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 strengths and weaknesses of this film,
1: obviously that's what we do. But um, I didn't want, I didn't want to mislead Phil and make him think that I was going to come on here and, and uh, I appreciated that. I appreciate that.
3: Yeah. Um, So I, what I think is um, interesting about the save the cat thing that you talked about, Kenny is that um, Ebert dings this film and I'll, I'll read his review in a second about the twist at the end and that it feels, and we're going to jump all over the place. Highly dingable a fair ding but I'll say this he makes it sound Ebert makes it sound as though this character comes out of nowhere and is just a a total deus ex machina it is and it isn't right like the guy does Michael Rooker does have a couple scenes before the reveal at the end so it's not as though it's a complete out of the blue but it does feel like it's enough out of the blue that you kind of go like wait a second what's going on like it has to backfill a lot which yeah. is not generally a good thing when it comes to you. And, and it
1: also it also lays on the Ellen Barkin did this so yeah. thick. It's true that 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 both of both of the potential endings mm-hmm. would have been problematic. Yes. Um, yes. Right. The ending where she did it. Yeah. Would have been better. Um. That at interesting. least interesting. That that at least kind of gets to something like you know emotional and and, and I, I actually I strongly feel like what Pacino did in this movie is crazy and he should not be rewarded for it <laughs> uh, and I don't mean crazy like I don't yeah. believe it I believe yeah. it I watch yeah. this movie I see Ellen Barkin in this movie I get it yeah. but like it's nuts. And he should not be rewarded for it. And he is totally rewarded for it. So. I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I, you know, it's,
3: so let me just, I'm going to give a quick synopsis here. Let's give a little bit of context and then we'll dive into the, into it. But um, troubled New York City detective Frank Keller, played by Al Pacino, investigates a serial killer who finds victims using personal ads in a magazine and leaves the song Sea of Love playing at crime scenes. With the help of his partner, Sherman Toohey, played by John Goodman, Frank concocts a plan to find the killer using his own personal ads, but when Frank falls for one of his chief suspects, Helen Kruger, played by Ellen Barkin, he struggles to reconcile his personal life and his professional duty. Uh, Written by Richard Price, uh, who's a great novelist and wrote on The Wire, he's a tremendous writer, and directed by Harold Becker. Sea of Love opened on September 15th, 1989, in first place with $10 million, ahead of Uncle Buck, Parenthood, when Harry met Sally and a Kenny favorite kickboxer. Uh, it would go on to make 110 million dollars on a 19 million dollar budget. which Whoa. is, In 1989, 110 million dollars is that's a yes. lot of money. Insane.
2: Is that I not insane? I'm shocked by that.
3: <laughs> considering I have no that idea.
2: people, <laughs> considering that it is not a staple at all, at all that yeah. it, that was
3: that's those are huge numbers. That's huge. It's, that's, it's that's, not like, even considered top tier. Pacino. No. Like a hundred and ten million dollars uh is the equivalent of about
1: three fifty, probably today. That, that must that must be worldwide. It is worldwide. That, it is worldwide, but still. Well, let's see where it landed on the list. Sixteen. 16. Uh, In t- terms twin? of the Yeah. Twins is a nineteen eighty-nine movie. Maybe Phil, it's an eighty eight movie? It, it's an eighty-eight that carried over. Yeah, I think so. Uh it, but, it, yeah. it's it's between twins and pet cemetery above above the abyss. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, above Christmas vacation, yeah. above the abyss of Grove.
2: famous underperformer. Correct. Yeah. But but a movie that has persisted. Yeah. Right. Yes, yes, a yes, mo- yes.
1: Like, the movie like like movie like Major League obviously has persisted. Beaches number one BFFF movie of all time. Yep. Uh, a lot of movies have that have persisted. Correct. And Sea of Love part, doesn't maybe, really. It doesn't. Also, you know, look the 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 title doesn't no favors.
3: I, um, I I agree. I it's interesting too, because like Pacino follows up this film with uh Dick Tracy in nineteen ninety and I believe is is it Glengarry Glenn Ross in ninety as well? Maybe I'm making oh, that up. Glengarry Glen Ross might be like
1: ninety two, might be ninety one or ninety two, yeah. But well, I know that the after sensible of Sense of a woman
3: sent of I, a woman might is is shortly there think It's 91. Well. Yeah, that's I think sent of a woman is after this, but it's but but the, the thing is, this obviously gives him new life and and obviously yeah. kind of um, propels uh a, certainly a large swath of his career. Uh, Roger Ebert gives the film three stars, says, uh, oh, first of all, Sea of Love has seventy six percent of Rotten Tomatoes from critics, sixty six from audiences." Ebert says, "Sea of Love tells." Uh, ingeniously constructed story That de- that depends for its Suspense on the same question posed by Jagged Edge and Fatal Attraction What happens when you fall in love when a person, With a person who may be quite prepared To murder you <laughs> The movie stars Al Pacino uh, Looking older and a little lined But more convincing than in most of his other Recent roles as a homicide detective Who is assigned to a messy murder case The victim is a male who's been shot in his own bed And the killer it appears was a woman the movies like this need to work on two levels the human element should feel right and the initial complications of the plot should not be short changed at the end I think the ending of sea of change cheats by bringing in a love. character from left field at the last moment part of the fun in a movie like this is guessing the identity of the killer and part of the problem with sea of love is the audience is not fairly treated technically I suppose the plot can be justified but I felt cheated I had good feelings for the characters and the relationships but I walked mm-hmm. out feeling the plot played fast and loose with the rules of whodunits Still gave it three out of four stars, so like I think that I think there's more good than bad here, but I do understand that. I well,
2: I, I think, think there's more good than bad, right. and I and, and 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 we I guess we get to this if if your Patreon episodes follow the same structure as the they regular will. episodes, yes. we will get to the we, uh, the ranking and stuff yes, and yes, yes. all that at the end. But even though I do love this movie, on the most I've seen it oh, three times because I rewatched it last night uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, it it it. You, uh, to your point, Kenny, halfway through, you're so jazzed because it is so much better than that type of movie usually is at the beginning. And I think mm-hmm. it sets up the expectation a little too high because then at the end, I don't think it's any worse than your boilerplate erotic thriller conclusion, but it does definitely in uh, relation to how to how high the peak the movie hits in the middle, mm-hmm. it does feel a little bit pedestrian uh, at the end when you well, I get, think it's,
3: get I think to it's, Michael Rooker and him having a fucking yeah. you know punch fight and, yeah. Well, part of it too is is the Richard Price component, right? Like Richard Price is bringing so much um, complexity to Pacino's character as well as Barkin's character, but Pacino is. I mean, there's a three-dimensionality there. There's a sadness. There's a brokenness. There's this sort of depth of of a yeah. guy who's really circling the drain, which is, you know, really kind of Richard Price's, right. you know, that that's his lane. And he does it so well that to your point, the boilerplate plotty parts of it almost feel beneath richard price and for, yeah. for, you know what i mean even, so it's like you do feel that weird kind
2: only of at the end i think like i think yeah. the idea yeah. of let's do personal <laughs> ads and then have the whole like second act they keep doing these like yeah like set up dates with pacino and uh, and uh, goodman pretending to be on dates with these women also that is all very yeah. i think that's ingenious a, and, that's unique. and it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I, I think Clay, you're, you're, you're nailing it. So, basically, this movie is great, not even for the first half. This movie is incredible for 90% of it. 90% of this movie is incredible, but you can't ignore that everything has to be recalibrated by the reveal at the end, which is Ellen Barkin isn't actually dangerous. Right. And if Ellen Barkin isn't actually dangerous – then, then it does call into question what was happening that entire the, throughout the entire film because right. she does so many things that a dangerous person would do, right? And I don't think yeah. that's a misreading on Pacino's character's part or on the audience's part. I do think it feels like we we have to keep this person very much alive as a suspect. Um, so that you know that is why I was kind of pitching the Fatal Attraction ending. Yeah. Um, where she actually is dangerous, Uh, but you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm already like hedging way more towards like. There's so much about this movie that I yeah. deeply loved that yeah. I can kind of ignore the end that was kind of lame and feels a little tacked on. Like,
2: yeah, there, well, well, I, two,
1: yeah, Sorry there are two ahead. things that I. I Deeply love about this movie, aside from the things we talked about, you know, the, the look of it, the production design, and all that shit. Yeah. I deeply love the relationship between Pacino and, and Goodman. I really, really like seeing a movie that they're not partners when they start. Yep. But they're decent towards each other, right? Pacino yeah. isn't looking down on him because he's from an outer borough. Goodman isn't, you know, some insecure rookie. They're two pros. They Hello, like each other
2: uh, immediately, yeah.
1: immediately, which is so fun. The great line
2: at that like policeman's ball or whatever it yeah. is, where John Goodman is again, John Goodman singing, singing into his beer bottle and doing He's his, doing his Goodman like, stuff. Yeah. No one can do that as good as John Goodman. And the Pacino goes, I just met this guy.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true. They, they have, they have a bromance mm. from day from, from, from the word go. Yep. And that, and that, and I just appreciate so much. A, a, a buddy cop movie. That isn't a a uh, that, that isn't a you know up and back love story between totally. the two guys. I say that you know yep. platonically. Second thing I love mm-hmm. is Ellen Barkin's performance. Yep. Um, I kind of can't get the image of Ellen Barkin uh, pushing Pacino up against the wall. And taking control of that sex scene, mm-hmm. that is so unusual. That is a, a really vulnerable position for Pacino, the actor, to put himself in. Totally. This was not who Ellen Barkin was going into this. Ellen Barkin was a sweet girl from Diner, right? Uh-huh. This is a whole new scene for a whole new look for her. Mm-hmm. And her characterization is 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 just so striking and affecting. So all, everything is like so fucking perfect firing on all cylinders and then I do think it kind of loses its way in the in the in the end and I do think they should have you know done another kind of uh, given it another look on what might be a a more satisfying ending mm-hmm. but um you know it's one of those things where plot machinations fall to the wayside and characterization comes you know comes up uh and and I really do you think that I'm going to go up quite a bit when I give my, my grade?
2: And it's one of those movies where look, I'd seen this movie twice and I own it on home video. And if before I rewatched it yesterday, you had asked me, how does the movie end? I would have been like, fuck, how does it end? Like I would (laughs) remember that Ellen Barkin wasn't the killer, but it would have taken me a while to remember like, Oh yeah. Rooker like attacks him in his apartment and they fight what, like what I could recite from like memory is totally. every other scene in the movie.
1: Totally. Uh, yeah. That's weird. But I am the same way because I watched and I, you know, Rooker's a face, you know, and I, all right, that's interesting. This random guy is random guy. I couldn't remember he was the killer, yeah. you know? So that's I, that you're right.
3: I, I want to just uh, take a second to talk about Ellen Barkin who has talked about this film um, and I just want to read a little bit of a, she she was interviewed in 2011, said that the film was not her best work and didn't think that Harold Becker liked her, but that this movie did make her a household name. The article also says that uh, Barkin said that she was forced into doing the sensual grocery store scene where she caresses yellow peppers while wearing little under her raincoat other than a sly thigh to entice Al Pacino. Barkin said she had a big fight with Becker over it, since she really didn't want to do it, Pacino was brilliant and very generous to work with. But the reason it's hard for her to watch is when she sees of love, that the audience sees an attitude on her part. When really she sees a tenseness. Uh, but through her training and method acting at the actor Studio, she made that tenseness in the scene work for her in front of the camera. When in fact uh, she was quite, you know, unhappy. Is it because uh, the scene it.
2: is like kind of kind of campy and silly? Because it's that's not like a particularly reveal i mean it's there's there's the 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 sex scene is certainly much more oh it's obviously i i i wonder whether or not because the scene is a little silly that is a Um, silly scene like a a charmingly silly scene but absolutely a
3: silly scene but i don't know that i don't know that harold becker thinks it's silly Oh. Is I guess is is the point uh-huh, I'm trying to sure. make? Like we watch it now and we're like, it's coy, and I think that Ellen finds a way to make it seem playful, um, because uh, because I think Becker wants it to be like a straight up like hot scene, yeah, and it's not. It's stupid.
2: No, it's, they both show <laughs> up wearing like all black, and then they stalk yeah. each other around the bodega. <laughs>
1: Uh, but like
3: <laughs> all, all,
1: all, I, all I saw during that scene Was bodega, it's Just like, yeah,
3: bodega. No totally totally
2: yeah. No but uh, it's bo- so interesting
1: oh, To be in a bodega at
2: night <laughs> oh. The weird dichotomy in this movie And I know it's weird is not the right word the, the unexpected and I think actually yeah. Ultimately very interesting dichotomy is it 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 is playing at Being an erotic thriller Yes but In actuality, and I think this is what complicates the idea of making her the killer at the end, is it is really kind of a tender, it turns into a tender love story about these two sort of lost souls who are past, I mean, I don't know how old Ellen Barkin is supposed to be in this, she sort of implies that, and certainly at the time, she's got a kid, she's divorced, she's past her prime.
1: Relative to the situation Pacino
2: is a drunk sad guy In his you know late 40s Looking at retirement Um, His like widowed Drunk father hangs out With him again full of Every moment of this movie Has Character detail. This is such a rich world that this movie exists in. And
3: well, it's also cast, like every role, cast, like John Spencer showing up for like two scenes. Oh my god. Like just real the so depth, good. The depth well, of roles. Yeah, but thing. I was saying, like,
2: it turns into a real love story. Yes. It's yes. not, it's not fatal attraction. You know, it's yeah. not no, basic it's not. instinct. It yeah. is these are two very much more real, grounded, earthy feeling people mm-hmm. who you could envision them. Figuring shit out together, and then I think if I, I, you couldn't have her be the killer at the end and get that type of love I think he wanted the love story yep. he wanted it to be almost a misdirect erotic thriller that turns into a real love story, but again, as Kenny said, then you need you know and 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 as Phil said, and as Ebert said in his review, then tying it you know going on that very interesting romantic. Uh, sincere diversion and then having to like hard whip the wheel, the wheel of a car around at the last 10 minutes and go way back into like, oh, we forgot we were an erotic thriller. There has to be someone who dies. There's got to be a fight and a death at the end. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, oh, I guess it's Rooker. I mean, it the, the clues add up. It is someone who is in her, clearly in her orbit Yeah, doing this. But yeah, no, it feels a little bit out of nowhere because the movie – for 25, 30 minutes, spent so much time well, yeah. trying to be this like authentic love story.
1: It, it well, it, it went, I, I do think it was poorly calibrated. It went yeah. too far in the direction that she did it as a red herring. Um, if you had the opposite, if she did do it, mm-hmm. you probably would have written it the other way. And you would have gone sweet love story, sweet love story, sweet love story. Oh, she's underneath it. She's a psycho killer.
4: Sure.
1: sure. Um, you know, because everyone's boring and that's just the, that's the, the arc of, of what we do with these kind of movies. Uh, but, but I do think it does kind of hurt the story that you're talking about, Clay. Like, I do think it does kind of undercut a romance between two kind of sweet people. um, because I don't see that from her really. Though there there are a lot of things in this movie that do if you do think she's the killer do undercut that in a good way, right? They like like why is she even talking to this guy when she finds out he's a cop if she's the killer, right? Why is she why is she letting him into the shoe store? Why is she being seen with him anywhere? Why isn't she just killing him earlier? Why isn't she disappearing? So it, there, That's, there are yeah. these things, yeah. But, the, but those things made me nev-
2: Even the first time I saw this, after the bit with the starter pistol where he freaks out, which is a very funny scene. Again, there's a lot of great when he like locks her in the closet. There's a lot of great humor in this movie. Well, this is I, kind
1: of Pacino's first funny movie. <laughs> you
4: know,
2: he, there is a line when when he when she finds out he's a cop and gets mad at him. And then he gets hyper defensive about being a cop. There is a line that, I mean, it is the origin of what would become his entire, it's, it's, you can, it is the direct, uh, it is the seed that turned into Scent of a Woman that turned into everything else. When he says, in the wet ass hour, I'm everyone's daddy, (laughs) which is a fucking crazy line and a crazy way to say it. I had to rewind <laughs> it and put the subtitles on. I was like, did he say in the wet-ass hour, I am everyone's dad? Everybody's daddy? In any case... Um, that, that is though. the way... I forgot every, what I was talking about. Oh, that I, never I never thought she was the killer. I never thought... In any time
3: I watched this movie, yeah, I never he, thought she was the killer. I love that Kenny thinks that... Is, did you say that's how every cop thinks? That's in how every cop wet thinks? Ass? Well, no, well that, and, that's, and, that's, and that's the they end don't of the monologue. The, they
1: don't say the wet-ass hour, but every cop thinks... Every cop thinks yeah. you hate me now, but you know you get your house robbed. Who are you gonna right. call?
4: Yeah,
1: uh, which by the way, not the craziest one, because <laughs> it, it is true. But the line <laughs> is crazy, and the way Pacino says it is just it, like I oh, love that's it. insane. I agree with you, Clay. That is that is the seed from which the crazy Pacino tree blossomed. <laughs> it it is, uh, but it's fun. Like I, I think this is when Pacino, because you you look at his IMDb, like we said, yeah. He really had no 80s, right? Nope. Like Well, he's I mean, Revolution was a, a a
3: crazy disaster. Like, I didn't even know that film existed until I did a little bit of a deep dive. Do we yeah. did you guys know about this movie Revolution? Not even I, I it knew it of it. I've never seen it. So it's like it's an American Revolution movie that I guess was set up at a studio. Eventually they passed the producer got the script and went out to a bunch of people to try to sell it again, sells it to a studio. And the thing is just an unmitigated flop. Like it makes like a pittance of it's like $50 million budget. And Pacino goes on a four year hiatus after that. So that's why the eighties kind of get away from
1: him. So you look at Pacino's career and Pacino, the thing people don't realize about Pacino is young Pacino was gorgeous, right? Like he was like the best looking man. Yep. Uh, And you look at the revolution poster, you know, he does Scarface in in 83. Look at the revolution poster. He's still pretty Pacino. Yep. He disappears for four years, and something (laughs) happened in those four years that turned him into old. (laughs) crazy <laughs> yeah. Pacino and he is yeah. no longer, he is no, even the movies when he's playing, you know, criminals or drug addicts like panic, panic needle, needle, park. He's still pretty, but then he, something happens where he is no longer your, your typical leading man. And for some reason, whether he doesn't take the roles or whether Hollywood just yeah. is like, I could, couldn't possibly cast you as a leading man anymore in a, in a romance in a classic romance. They recognize this and he recognizes. And I think, Almost every movie Pacino does, mm-hmm. maybe with the exception of Heat. I was just going to say he's hot in Heat. He's, you know, he's, I, he's just not joking in Heat, right? <laughs> but, like, every other movie he does, and, and I, I'm just looking at this shit right now, The Insider, I don't think he's joking in. Everything yeah. else, he is joking. Heat. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. He is. He is just having a fucking blast out there. It's all the and devil's advocate you, times. Yes, like, <laughs> he's here to make you all laugh. The devil's advocate, <laughs> and it starts with this movie. And you yeah. know, I don't know what Clay like in the wet ass hour. I'm everybody's daddy in the theater in 1989. Going to see the Pretty Boy from fucking Serpico must have knocked people on their. and beyond that
2: you know i yes to your point about him not being sexy anymore this character uh and again in an inconsistent with michael douglas could not play this guy this guy is a bum they make jokes about how short he is from the beginning of the movie everyone in the movie is cast is taller than he is by about a, a foot his suits are like weirdly long which makes him also look shorter <laughs> like he's slumping his shoulders like he is supposed yeah. to be uh his hair is a, terrible. A sack. His
3: hair's terrible there's the scene when he calls his ex-wife who's played by lorraine bracco uh bracco who is cut from the movie but for the television versions has been reinserted into it but that's whatever sure. uh when he calls gotta, her-
1: gotta get to a do it two hours
3: yeah, yeah. he he's calls her by richard jenkins but he calls her in the middle of the night and it's so, <laughs> so- fucking sad like oh, yeah. it's it's he's just and just she, she straight up hangs up on him like it's just it, it's a really well, like this guy is truly he's pathetic
1: a, he's a tr- he's a truly good guy like yeah. yep. the, the I mean the the bigger save the cat scene even than the beginning one is the one with the old lady Oh, where where that scene you know, fucking
3: killed me that yes, scene was really right? sad oh man
1: he, he starts his he starts his uh speed dating thing to, to yeah. get the women who reply to this ad yeah the first one is with an older lady an attractive older lady he's very nice to her and you even get the sense that like you know in a real world where he you know is actually meeting people he might even like date her yeah. she gets a sense very quickly that she is being ignored yet again yeah. and hangs out at the bar and after she's seen him date four or five other women on this sting operation uh leaves with a tear rolling down her face he just gives this uh like this little like uh it's brutal. I don't see anything else about it and a worse movie would have him catch up with her later and make yeah. it right somewhere. Yeah. Or they just... they
2: turn a joke, they turn it into a joke. She would throw a drink in his face or something. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just something awful, but there's just so a moment of humanity and you know what I really love about Pacino in this film and this character and the characterization and the setting is in order to live in Manhattan yeah. you either need to be insanely wealthy or single (laughs) and single and with it with a job right insanely wealthy or you you know single with a job and if you are 45 and single with a job you know to each their own but a pretty good chance you feel like something's not going right and uh like he has this like sadness this 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 I'm playing out the string thing yep. to him. Yep. You know, retirement breathing down his neck, that may as well be death to a 46-year-old guy. It's it's brutal, but it's a very New York-y story to me, a very Manhattan-y story to me. Yep. That um, you know, in the outer boroughs, it doesn't quite have the same thing, right? In other places, it doesn't like like you're just kind of choosing to hang on in the lowest rung of the ladder in Manhattan, which is a tough place to be. Yeah, it's he's just. The, it, you you highlighted
3: that scene with the with the older lady at that. Um, <clears throat> there is something silently so sad about. Pacino in this he's always been a very good actor he can always sort of tell a story without a line but in this movie in particular I think it's what you're talking about Kenny you sort of this idea of him going away for four years and coming back um weathered you know like like his face has just become so much more richly kind of detailed in the sense of this guy's been through some shit whatever it is who knows but like there's, he's, he's got these dark circles under his eyes. He's pale. His hair's a mess. He's just living in, in a kind of a shitty apartment. Um, it's so when Ellen Barkin enters the film, which by the way is 45 minutes into this film, like she enters late in this movie. Yeah. She's a breath of fresh air. Like you can understand why this guy fell for her hard and quickly. Um, she looks. Unbelievable in this film, but also just has this energy. She crackles in a way that's just unreal. Yeah.
1: She and picks, she's got she a hard so. edge
2: that you, yeah. she is not she's like a, a
1: New Yorker, a, too.
2: She's a yeah, new, yeah, she yeah. feels like, look, I, I think Ellen Barkin is, is as striking as you guys do. But she, again, we talked about Julia Roberts a lot on the, the very thought of you, very thought of you uh, episode, which I don't know if people listening to this, if these are Whatever. near each other in any way, shape, or form. But Ellen Barkin is not. Jessica Lange like she doesn't look like She was designed to be On the cover of a magazine She's got a hard edge to her Look which is more Dynamic and interesting in a lot Of ways but also makes her feel a lot More real I buy Her as a downtrodden Down on her luck hardened By a hard life in the city Single mother yep I Buy it and I buy that those Two people would be attracted To each other
1: no it it's funny because we talked about this with Monica Potter that you know in an airport she wouldn't really stand out to me and I think Monica Potter's you know more classically traditionally you know beautiful by Anglo-Saxon standards but uh Ellen Barkin would you know you walk, she walks in out of this movie uh, Helen Kruger walks into any room in the world and the room stops because yep. she's got that thing she's got And she walks house. into the bar right yes. and the bar kind of stops even though it's not like it's like some, you know, parade of unattractive women walking in. It's just a parade of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she and then on top of that, she immediately high, high statuses him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know what I, I mean? I love a big face meanie. So she immediately <laughs> immediately high statuses him, immediately makes him feel like a little man, immediately says, I'm not going to play your game. Okay. And uh, yes, I would want to have to. I would, okay. Fuck this thing. Yeah. It's over! <laughs> you think I'm yeah. garbage? Totally more!
3: <laughs> yeah, she's she's really, really, really good in this. And, and, I mean, despite the, you know, whatever drama there was on set, she does weaponize all of it to create a really striking performance. Um, so I just want to talk about John Goodman for a quick second here, because this is the second... 1989 movie we have of John Goodman. The other being everyone's favorite Steven Spielberg film, Always. Always. Um, And he kind of plays, I don't want to say a similar role, but he does play the friend. He does play the number two in both of those films. Um, This film is obviously much, much better than Always, but it also just, um, it, it, you know, John Goodman has been on Roseanne for many years up until this point, right? Like, I'm assuming he's been on there for a few seasons, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know when Roseanne a, premiered. A couple, but, yeah. yeah. But he's got that blue-collar dad kind of everyman quality about him. I mean, he literally plays Fred Flintstone a few years later, which is, you know, again, sort of the quintessential everyman, I guess. Um, <laughs> but But Goodman in this... It's You guys, you highlighted it earlier the the first time he meets Pacino and that immediate chemistry that the two of them have. They seem like they had so much fun together. Like, you just, the impression is um, that they were just buds from the jump and it works. Um, I totally buy John Goodman as like a Cop from is he is he in Queens? Where was he from? And uh, I don't know what borough it was.
2: That's where the I, wedding is. I th- I th- think okay. it is Queens. He does say Queens. He's like, yeah. Like, do you want to work out of yeah. out, out of here? Out. He's like, no. Right, but Queens. Right.
3: Yeah, it's so the, it, it, he's just he's fantastic in it, and you know, we're gonna do our top seven uh, out of honor to, to screen drafts. Our top seven, John Goodman's at the end of the episode, so we can talk a little bit more about him. Uh, In his career, but this is just an interesting kind of moment when John Goodman. This is the beginning of John Goodman as solid, you know, supporting character above the title John Goodman.
1: Um, And it's 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 just casting got casting John Goodman is a choice, right? John Goodman is not your everyman best friend mm-hmm. John Goodman at some point is going to hold a beer bottle up to his mouth do a you know his <laughs> lip sync or actually sing yep. and do yep. a little bit of a strip tease and is your movie big enough for that like mm-hmm. can your movie can your movie handle what John Goodman is going to bring to your movie and not that he's some kind of scenery chewing actor yep. that's not what i mean yep. he just like he is a thing he is a presence he's a he's a force and of nature yep. he's a force of nature but you know Pretty much always. I can't think of a movie that you know runs to the contrary. A welcome presence, like for sure. He's, he's oh, a man. big. He's a big hug of a man. Well, we talked a little bit about this on our Uncle Buck episode
3: because he was apparently in the running for that uh, to play the the titular Uncle Buck. Um, and you know, I can see that movie. I, can, I, I that that movie makes sense. It's not. It's not the same energy. But like, you know,
2: it could. But worked. that's what's so cool about John Goodman. <laughs> is and what's so unique about him and the way they use him in this and the way he's been able to sort of curate his persona as a big dude i mean he calls himself fat in this movie in a very funny (laughs) When the woman says your skin is so tight (laughs) he says oh it's because i'm fat it's (laughs) (laughs) It's like a tire he he is not he is not a a a goo he's not a joke he's not a punchline he's not a schlub he's not uncle buck he yep. is kind of sexy in this movie i mean he's you know he cheats on his wife uh but he scores this date with this woman you know he's he is cool he is the and cool it, big fat guy and i yeah. don't know if any other you know plus size actor yeah i can't think of one who managed to be plus size and but their persona is not that they are god love john candy but he played a lot of roles where the joke was that he was a fat slob goof punchline yep. and goodman never i that i can think of never really
1: succumbed to that yep. it's incredible because goodman Good, goodman has boss energy right Yeah, and that's amazing considering he played second banana to uh roseanne was the biggest boss energy like ever but to to be able to basically make something out of that role dan connor that wasn't just you know the husband to the star is kind of you know incredible in its own right but and then what you're saying clay is amazing too i think you're hitting on uh john goodman as sexy i've heard that Mm -hmm. i've heard that Many times that women find John Coven to be very sexy, um, which is, you know, that's something that I can't really think of. Yeah, I, the other guy who, you know, the other guy who was a big guy who women loved was Gandolfini. But mm. it's the same thing, right? Yeah. It comes to the same place. It's this boss energy, you know, and it's not even like it's not even the like um, the thing where you have a bigger guy who's like, you better not make fun of me you know right right you'd never even think with those guys you'd never even think to like go down that road with those two <laughs> so it's uh it's yeah i think i think they they're almost yin and yang of a of a similar of a similar character
3: type for sure for sure yeah i mean i i he's he's really good in the movie um He's very lovable. I agree with you that he's that that his range, and you know, we'll talk about it when we get to our favorite John Goodman's at the end. But like, the guy's got legit range. It's not just you know, oh yeah, Dan Connor um it's uh it's 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 pretty incredible stuff so let's i figure let's just we'll, we'll jump into the plot um the film opened with something that i was genuinely perplexed by i did not understand what was happening with this meet the yankees brunch uh it, great it was, scene it's a, it's and apparently it really happened too that that apparently they they did do this i don't know why but apparently this apprehension of criminals by arranging a meet the yankees breakfast was based on a real event from the from new york uh, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> sam jackson is one of those yeah, criminals, he is he gets is all the amazing.
2: lines <laughs> uh, yeah you got sam jackson you got paul
3: calderon in this movie you got yeah. some some pulp, fiction, uh, pulp some fiction pulp fiction folks it's great uh, so they bust all these cops, and then Kenny mentioned the not cops, uh, criminals. Kenny mentioned the sort of save the cat moment, which is afterwards there's this guy who walks up with his daughter, uh, and Pacino rather than busting the guy for I think it was two grand theft auto charges, yeah, lets him go <laughs> to show he's a nice guy. Which, <laughs> and sure. and he
1: says and he and he says yeah. catch you later. Yes. Which he says to bark in later. Yes. So I guess that's his that's his little, you know, vista baby that he's criminals <laughs> that later. he's just he's yeah. just not in the mood to book yeah. him right there. But you know, he sea does of love, also
2: Sea of Love Two, the uh, tagline is uh dot 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 it's later. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic.
3: Uh, he does flash his badge. Whether it's intentional or not. He lets the guy all, know, yeah. He kind of flashes Because the guy's head. like, hey, no, don't turn me away. I want to meet the Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then I mean- he's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so then we, uh, he's Keller. Frank Keller has just reached his 20th year on the police force. Uh, and he's investigating the murder of a man in Manhattan shot dead while face down in his bed naked, listening to an old 45 of Sea of Love. Uh, there
1: were three I love. That. I love Sea of Love. It's I love Sea of song. Love. I love
3: yeah, a movie. Any
2: movie. It's a great song, and it's a great like love song that's also creepy if you listen to it too much. Yeah, like Blue uh, Velvet. It's yes. a Blue Velvet, and it's. I have another connection as well. No, no, I mean, I like the song oh, it's Blue like Velvet. Blue Velvet. Yes, that's exactly. True. Yes, exactly. And I love a movie that has a recurring. Uh, musical motif like that I'm a big like iconography guy But this is, I don't know what the word for that with music is It's orolography or it's what, what, whatever But it's, sure. um, I love that When movies have things like that That they commit to, we're like, this is going to be a Signature of the movie mm. that you can remember Later, I like things that have signatures uh, An interesting thing with Sea of Love is that song Has always felt creepy to me Because <laughs> the first PG-13 movie I ever saw In movie theaters was uh, Gregory Hoblet's Frequency Interesting and in frequency, there That's is that, a scene, like the Jim Caviezel movie, the Jim Caviezel Dennis Quaid movie, yeah, where they're yeah. time good travel flick. serial killer. Hunting. I like that flick. <laughs> oh, good movie! Yeah. That's a good movie.
1: Yeah,
2: there's this. There's a very creepy scene where Dennis Quaid is trying to stop a serial killer. He gets beat up, uh, and then when he comes to, he tries to chase after. Comes to the scene of the crime too late. The woman's dead, and on the record player, "Sea of Love" is skipping. Do you remember? It's it's skipping on that. The person who was originally going
3: to direct Sea of Love, Gregory, Gregory Hoblet. <laughs> oh, look at that little uh little. You know, yeah. one, one of the things that I love about the forty five too. Is in the scene later when uh, Pacino is talking to his police chief, played by John Spencer, he says the reason that that he knows the killer knows didn't know the victim is because he's playing 45s, and that you would only play 45s if you're trying to woo somebody. Once you know them, you don't give a shit anymore. Which I think is is a fantastic that felt very Richard Pricey to me. Like oh. there's something very kind of like uh, oh. real about that very genuine. It's
1: like that Blu-ray it's like that Blu-ray collection behind you, Phil. Yeah. yeah. It's
3: like those criterions that I only play. You, yeah. only, uh, you only bust uh, out the uh, criterions uh, when you're trying uh, to woo somebody. That's a um, third
1: date, fourth date, third date, fourth date. You know, no,
2: and, and Phil, to that point, this movie, again, I mentioned having a really rich world. And not only is the dialogue great and very character-based, these characters are all really dynamic. Every single moment of this movie has something that feels authentic and and real. And it, a, a lot of movies the neighbor lady who finds the body would just find the body and then be like, uh, "Oh, there's the body." Oh, okay. In this movie, he walks up. The, the way this scene plays out is he walks up to the apartment. Two u- u- uniformed cops come out laughing. He's mm-hmm. like, "What?" Yeah. Walks in
4: and finds <laughs> the
2: old it. lady telling a story about uh, to these other cops, and well, they're smoking there's the cigarette. She's told a story about uh, a boxer. I'm forgetting who it was. And they're like, you saw him box live. She's yeah, like, oh, Joe my Lewis. God. Yeah, yeah. Joe Lewis. And it's this whole little universe that's happening. And most other movies, that character, that, that woman would have nothing to fucking do. And 100%. every character like that in this movie, has something to do has a, a life that is hinted at and it just makes the whole thing feel more real and it just puts you in I love when movies do that and this well, movie does yeah, 100%, it 100% so
3: well. and it's and that's very much a Richard Price thing i mean if you've read any of his books yeah. every single character has some has a a richly detailed world. They have a life of their own. Obviously, yeah. all the stuff that he did on the wire as well. Yeah. Um. It, it's it's just and and I love that scene as well when they're talking to to the to the old lady and then when Pacino grabs one of the cigarette butts and is like, "Can you please not contaminate the crime scene?" Like, it's it's just it's it's a really I, I couldn't agree with you more. This is the stuff that in a lesser writer's hands and in a lesser director's hands would just feel. It's just perfunctory. Indeed. There's nothing yeah, perfunctory like, in this. Movie. Exactly.
1: You know, my, exactly. I, I mentioned this before. My cousin's a cop, and he uh, he has said to me that you know it's like anybody anybody who has a profession thinks the movies about that profession have no idea the way it really works. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, the only two shows that get it right are yeah. The Wire and Barney Miller. <laughs> I have a sense. <laughs> yeah i have a sense and i I should have asked him before that because he's a big film guy and all that stuff i have a sense that this gets it pretty close to right too you know i have a sense that that the 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 rhythms the way they talk to each other the policeman's ball the way you worry about retirement the the jocular kind of don't contaminate the evidence thing not you know not the slapping down the laughing leaving the crime scene like you mentioned clay the uh the probably i think even you know they go to visit the the guy who wants to being the third victim and then they feel bad about not telling him that feels kind of real because maybe you'd rather get it sandwiched that afternoon. And, And the
2: way that they, Oh man, it's so funny when they're talking and he's like, it's like three guys put, put poems in their personal ads. She's like, two of them are dead. And then he goes, Oh shit we should look up that third guy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Can I also say too, that, and we mentioned this a little bit earlier. It's a great Great cut. When, when, uh, when Pacino meets Goodman, right. And Goodman talks about how there's a, you know, one of the killings was in his district and and Goodman's like, we should, we should work together on this. That's something I feel like I've never seen before in a genuine way, because usually it's a competitive thing and it's a conflict thing, and people use it as plot rather than the fact that I'm sure cops do which that. i don't believe i don't you believe, know what I mean I don't
1: believe that they're 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 competing I don't right that exactly I don't believe that they're, they're i mean if we know anything enjoy. about
2: cops, <laughs> it's that they close ranks pretty
4: fast
1: I think you I think I, you know what. I don't believe that – I just believe that they – I believe they clock in, they clock out, sure. they try to get their job done, yep. and, they, and, and, and that's it. And I don't, I don't think there's any, like, backstabbing, I'm going <laughs> to fucking solve this murder yep. before you. It, that just seems like – first of all, I, that seems like something that's invented for TV and movies. It also is way too fucking exhausting. Like, well, come on. It's, it's interesting because it makes me think about this movie.
3: I, so I just watched the pilot of, uh, Mayor of Easton, the HBO thing with Kate Winslet, which I don't know if either of you have checked out. I have not. It's, it's quite good. Um, it has a very Dennis Lehane vibe, which this does too, right? Like there is that sort of, you know, people acting like you think they hopefully do act to some degree or another within this universe. But that moment of Goodman and Pacino of Goodman offering up like, Hey man, like, I've got this thing maybe it's connected to your thing like we should work together on this and then they do and they become friends and they fucking work on this together felt fresh like it oh, yeah. shouldn't but that felt like something believable and interesting and and, and added a, a whole element to this which I really And liked.
2: that's that's this this entire movie is let's erotic thrillers are all the rage how do we do one that goes the other direction from what all of them are. How do we confound expectations? How do we do something fresh? And again, that's why the ending feels disappointing because the rest of the movie, I think very effectively does something fresh. interesting
3: well i even you know you you guys mentioned it a little bit earlier but like the richard jenkins component which is that pacino works with jenkins jenkins essentially cuckolded him and stole his wife who we never meet but like that first scene that he has with jenkins when they're at the crime scene together and and jenkins is like it's just this weird jockeying that's going on pacino keeps like like
2: apologizing but then being like but also fuck you (laughs)
3: Yeah. And then later, literally gets into a drunken fight with him after that cop party. And and Jenkins, which towers over Pacino, and Pacino's just like this little jackrabbit. That <laughs> he, right he, up, just he's kind of messing him up. And, it's
2: crazy. What, don't we, Speaking we, we, of, we, we have yeah. not mentioned. Talk in, about the karate
1: fight. The karate yeah. <laughs> he fights the other, the, uh, the, it looks like the only Asian cop. And they just decide to, you know, circle up and have the karate expo- expedition. It's expedition. so weird. <laughs> uh, expo- <laughs> it's fucking. Why did that happen? What? Like, what's happening?
2: And then, yeah, and then Goodman's like, oh, that's, that's like watching a movie. If it's just like, well, I got to exercise somehow.
1: Like, <laughs> what? And <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good karate fight too. Yeah, it's so <laughs> bizarre. Oh, God. Oh, the, 80s great. Were, great. the 80s were awesome.
3: Speaking of that, that cop party, today. I was watching
2: this with my roommates. My roommate, Beth, was like, I want to find out who this second AD was because <laughs> there are so many scenes with 200 extras in this movie, yeah. which you would never... That's another thing. I'm sure I've talked to both of you guys about this. That's one of those other things that we we didn't know how good we had it. Movies... Yeah where a scene of simple information, the note you get endlessly now is, well, one, can you cut out anything that's not essential, but also like, can we take this they When they discover this, can we just take that out, put it in this other scene? We need to save money. We can't just many locations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This movie has the opening thing. Uh, the thing that introduces Pacino as a cop is an elaborate scene in a location we never see again with all of this production design yep. and a hundred extras. Yep. You got that cop party with 200 extras, another location, all this Activity, wedding, the wedding. No, the, the, the only wedding thing at the, the wedding is Pacino yeah. coming up with the idea to do the personal ads, yeah. an idea he could have had literally anywhere at, at the cop Dude, station yeah. where they already have several other it's scenes. Awesome! Set. All the wedding, everything is, about that is, is awesome. Yeah, is character yeah. and world building, and it's That's the movies. Strange. It's why you go to the movies. Clay, yeah. Yeah.
1: I had the exact same thought. It's why? It's why I picked the wedding in the beginning. I had the exact same thought uh, of. I can't believe they staged this entire wedding when nothing happened here. Like, you, that's an expensive fucking scene. There's a yeah. lot of shit that goes into putting together. They got a band, yep. they, yeah, a, a singer with a wig, and just to have the two guys sit at a table and come up with that idea, I adore.
3: Match. Yeah, it's so funny because last night I was watching—I was watching an episode of something. I can't even remember what it was. So I turned to my roommate and I was like, "Man, it's all—everything is close-ups. It's all fucking out of focus shit in the background. You can never fucking tell. There's no wide shots. It doesn't because they can't afford it and they don't want to show, you know, right. whatever." And to your point, Kenny big old wide shot of that wedding that shows that you've got a couple hundred people there and that it's you know again backdraft is another one where it's like there's lots of big wide shots expensive shots of yeah of of huge amounts of people yeah i mean it's but again to your point it goes so far towards world building and putting you in there and making you really feel that this world is lived in but and all the street stuff in new york the
2: restaurant you could have you could have cheaped out on all of the restaurant stuff so easily and instead they pick a restaurant that is in front of lincoln center yeah they have to shut down these streets in front of lincoln center they've got all of these uh uh you know um establishing shots with it
3: lincoln center framed up they had to light all of that it's just like it's crazy man it's crazy man um, so as you guys mentioned, go to the wedding. He comes up with the lonely hearts ad. They track down this other guy, Raymond Brown, that had a, a an ad. He turns up dead. Um, and then Frank has dinner with several women, uh, posing as a waiter, puts their glasses into evidence bags. That whole thing. Uh, meets Alan Barkin. Uh, Frank bumps into her again at a market, so they have kind of a, a second meet cute. Um, she was in sort of a great, store. a yeah. great
2: authentic meet cute contrivance, con- contrivance where again a, 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 another scene like with the woman at the bar that is just like you are not expecting a scene this heartfelt and character based to come up when they're yep. coming up with the with the poem the cops and it's all these cops going ah so ha, ha 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 yeah. they're like lyrics are and red lyrics hey. and
1: stuff
2: and then they a... reveal that Pacino's dad is there yes. sad old drunk widower so and sad. he says this beautiful poem and they're like where did, where did you hear that did you write that and he's like no uh, you know frank's mother wrote it oh, that's why i fell in love with her it's like fuck yes, exactly. and then and then later when he when ellen barkin's like that wasn't written by a man that was written by a woman he's like yeah my mom wrote it that's why my dad fell in love with her it's like Phew. richard curtis wishes
3: like <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, what a bit that so then we good. have, we have the, um, the section that we were talking about, um, which has a really interesting power dynamic that exists between them. Um, they start to uh, have a romance. Helen's fingerprints are on a glass, but he wipes down the glass. Um, the relationship becomes strained when she discovers that he's a cop. Um, and then one night he gets drunk and basically gives away that it was a sting and she obviously is, uh, is, is perturbed and upset about that. Um, there's a really wonderful scene where uh, he goes to her place. And I actually, I'm curious, Kenny, if this, because I do understand where you're coming from in terms of, he goes to her place and they have this really beautiful scene where you really see how down and out he is, like how desperate he is for anyone to care about him in the slightest. And she's receptive to that. And she goes in the other room to grab some stuff before they leave. And he sees the... uh, It's the worst. The the ads on the refrigerator. Yeah, I killed these three guys. That's the fucking... (laughs) That's the problem. Because I think if you remove that part of it and you just have Rooker show up, it might not have been as...
2: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash acast and use code ACAST for twenty percent off your first purchase.
3: It might not have bumped me as much because to your point, Kenny, it shines such a bright light on she's the killer. Yeah. In oh in, in the hopes that it'll you'll be, I don't know, whatever, turned around when Rooker shows up. I don't need the ads. Like I could just yeah. have her, I could just have her come in because basically he sees the ads and then she says to him, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't hang out tonight. Like I think I should I should spend the night in and I should you know think about this a little bit more. That's enough for me. That should have been the scene. He doesn't need to see the ads. He can go home and then Rucker can show up and you can still have the Deus Ex Machina of all of that's
2: that. and that's the thing, Philip, By by this part of the movie the movie has sort of backgrounded the investigation so much in favor of the love story and kind of putting you in Frank's head he has yeah. sort of he's backgrounding the investigation because this is his new focus yeah. is this relationship so then it it is it, whenever that stuff pops up it's almost like they forgot they were making a mystery and they're like ah shit yeah. put in a clue i don't know
4: yeah.
2: uh, and it does feel very <laughs> yeah. very on the nose because it feels like they don't really care that much about that totally. part of the movie uh, totally. at that point it, it's interesting um Again, I never thought it was Ellen Barkin. Although watching it last night, my roommates when they saw that went to, "Oh, is Ellen Barkin's mother killing people?" It's they figured I was connected to Barkin, but it was someone like shadowing Barkin and killing right. men. And they're like, "Oh, is right. it the mother that's living with them?" It does introduce a dynamic, a uh, 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 relationship power male female dynamic, where then Pacino is almost as upset about the fact that she was sleeping with men through the newspaper because he bitches about that later in the movie. He's like, I would never do that. Um, uh, he's almost as upset or more upset about that than the idea that maybe she's the killer, Yeah, which is also a messy and interesting idea, but maybe one that is a little, like a little too much too late. Like there isn't really room to explore that. And it is a bit, it is a bit on the nose. I wish they would have made one more mention because she says oh, I have an ex-husband, and they imply that it was it went badly. But if she was like, "Oh, my ex-husband was dangerous," I, like m- maybe something a little bit more yeah. built up about Rooker. I don't know. I don't know what the fix there I, I, is. I, 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 I don't think it's a clean make her the killer fix. I don't know if that would work. No, no, for me, I don't. Th- but, I don't
1: think that's what it should be. Actually, yeah. I mean, I've, I've very much have been talked off that but I think it should be this or something like it. I yeah. just don't, I just don't think, I think it, it it's just too abrupt a little bit. Yeah. I think it yeah. so, I mean, I think this is kind of what Ebert was saying, but I think it insults the audience a little bit. I agree. To lay it on yeah. so thick because it goes beyond just the ads. Like there are, she owns sea of love, which is not, you know, in 1989, it's not everyone is just, just has a 45, a sea yeah. of love hanging around. Yeah. You they, They're, they're, it's it's too much. Um
2: and the music whenever he discovers something like that is like, like it's very yeah, over yeah, the top. Yeah. yeah.
1: But yeah. like I it's I'm so over it. I'm so yeah. over my like picadillos <laughs> with this movie. Like I'm just yeah. I'm just like focused on all the things that I loved, which is almost all of it.
3: Yeah. Um so uh, basically uh, Rooker shows up, they have a classic mono-a-mono punch fight. Uh,
1: that, <laughs> punch that, fight. That essentially... There, there, uh, I believe there was a crotch punch at some point. There was a crotch oh, punch. Oh, like right out of
2: the gate. But you yeah. was <laughs> like, I'm going to get the upper hand. I'm
1: going to go for the crotch. <laughs> and then I the payoff
2: ha- of the sharpshooter trophy.
3: Yeah. Remember, he like yeah, pulls it yeah, out yeah, and whacks put him it in the yeah. head.
1: You're, I, lo- I, just, I, I love the idea <laughs> that you're in a fight with a murderer who's trying to kill you that you're supposed to keep it clean. No, No, you go
2: right for the ball, right for the crutch. But then, (laughs) and then also speaking of interesting uh, dynamics and power dynamics and just images in this movie that are kind of bold for Pacino. I mean that the scene, the first scene with, with Barkin where she backs him up against the wall is fantastic. (laughs) This, at the end of this Rooker, like going in full psycho mode, Gets Pacino on the bed and is like on his ass, like going like humping up and down, going like, "Is this what it's like?" And like, "Like this yeah. is yeah. this is quite something for nineteen eighty nine for Pacino yeah, for like a position for Pacino to allow him to be seen that way
3: yeah. is is Pacino very also interesting. at one point. If I'm not mistaken, just jumps on Rooker's back, yeah. and just he's a small <laughs> like a man guy. He's a little guy. A,
1: a little guy yeah. on a big guy that makes him look just. It doesn't make him look. Cool. I, I like Pacino owning his little guy ness quite <laughs> a bit. I oh yeah. I I don't think yeah. Pacino. I, I Pacino's never been my guy. Right? De Niro is my guy. Sure. And Pacino's not my guy. And I've always kind of, I love old Pacino. I love seventies Pacino. Sure, sure. But I've always kind of felt like I'm not really on board with the Wuha Pacino thing, yeah. even as a joke. Like it's just, it's not not my thing. I think this is a necessary bridge for sure. for people yeah. to 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 to. to go from 70s and I guess early 80s Pacino when I think it falls apart with Scarface. I think everything's just... A, I, I think he's short circuits in that movie. It's a Palma movie I do not like. Sure. Um, Fair. And, and this is a necessary bridge to get you from old Pacino to new Pacino. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like Al Pacino so much more after seeing this movie. And he's good in this
2: movie. We have definitely talked up yes. the wet-ass hour, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because it is a little bit it, it is out of character like th- this is actually a p- a pretty understated grounded
3: performance for the I most agree. part. I agree. So there's two there's two more scenes I want to talk about very quickly. The first is uh, Frank meets up with uh, John Goodman at a bar. Uh, several weeks later, he's he's sober. Um, John Goodman weirdly taunts him with booze, which is <laughs> kind of fucked up, but okay. Um, but Frank has a tremendous line, and it might be my favorite line in the whole movie, where he says. Uh, basically uh, Goodman asks him if he's still seeing Ellen Barkin and he says why does anyone why does anyone see anyone people are a lot of work um, it's, it's a fucking great line how oh, I feel brother uh it's and he's like, and in classic sort of Pacino, he says it he gets like people are a lot of work. A lot of work. Like he really just decides to underline the line. But it's a great line. Yeah. Um, and then at the very end, Frank reunites with Helen and they're walking down the street together. Um it's it's clear that like this scene was a bit messy to actually film because she yeah. kind of cracks up a couple times, and he's kind of on the on the brink of cracking up. Uh, it doesn't seem like they locked off the 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 street because like a bunch of people recognize Pacino, and at <laughs> one point Pacino gets like legit bumped into by a person. Oh, who like oh, I love that. Yeah, that's good. It's just it's a messy, great scene that actually really works. A, but... I, I love that because he's a little guy. Yeah,
2: he's a little, a little guy. Little, he gets little, little guys like, get lost in like crowds. Grabs- runs- he like runs into a screen and gets like knocked over, yeah. and then the, like, the, 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 the smile—almost, yeah, yeah—the smile on his yes. face when yes. he recovers from that. Yes, it's what I mean. yeah. they're improving. He's recovering. Yes, that scene brings me back in the last yeah. moments where I'm a little bit like, "Ah, this feels like a cop out ending." Yep, the sincerity. Of that scene and at everything you described, Phil, where it feels real and messy yep. and in the moment. And yep. Pacino has this very genuine smile on his face when he's basically been downtrodden the entire movie. Yep. That is, I feel like that's a good vibe.
3: Yep. I, I, I want these two crazy kids to work it out. Well, it's funny. You, and I think Ellen Barkin has a moment, too, where she breaks, she smiles, and then she quickly stops the smile because she feels like she's ruining the take, but it works in the moment because it feels like she's needs to like find her, her, uh, her grounding again. It's, it's a really, it's a really good scene. And, and I, I think that without all that messiness and without all that, like not locked off scene, I think it would have just been kind of a ho-hum, like cute, kind of cutesy ending. So, and I think that kind of embodies the whole movie in a weird way right yeah. like had it had it been done cleanly,
1: this movie is just not that interesting that's the, and that is another I mean we talked about the big set pieces that don't happen anymore those those new York scenes that that do feel oh. like they they just picked it up when they had mm-hmm. a chance yeah. Yeah. obviously wouldn't happen anymore no one would do that I mean short of a hundred thousand dollar indie um but it's amazing. It really like that Sydney Lumet, New York thing. Yep. Uh, it's just the greatest. It's just, oh, it just it, it feeds me. Yeah.
2: Well, I have a question for you then, Kenny. I, I'm not, obviously, I'm from Minnesota and I've been, to, I've been to New York a handful of times, but I cannot speak about the city with any sort of uh, basis of knowledge. I take it from what you've said, you're an, a New York guy or you spent a lot of time there.
1: I'm a, I, I am a, a suburban guy. But I am from the suburbs of New York. I'm from West Virginia. Okay. So, so, so I spent a lot of time in New York, yeah. Would you say that this is a – would
2: you consider this a good New York movie? If people wanted to watch a New York movie.
1: yeah. Or do you think
2: it's good for what it is?
1: No, no. I think it's a great New York movie. I think for a lot of reasons. I think it's – it, I like – uh I like movies about blue collar people in New York because New York is an interesting place for a blue collar person. A lot of the blue collar jobs don't exist in the city. So, um, as I said, like it, you know, it basically takes a, ter- a certain type of lifestyle to have that kind of job and, and stay in Manhattan. When I say New York, I really mean Manhattan. Um, but what makes a good New York movie? That's the coolest thing about New York for me. It's everything. It's everything from, you know, from working girl to this, to marathon man, to just, you don't know, like, 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 uh, like, like there, like in terms of genre, in terms of, of, of feel and tone and the type of people there could be anything as long as it takes place within the confines of that city, which are, which are, un- it's just unlike anywhere else. And I'm a huge fan, bigger fan of LA movies. Like, mm-hmm. I love L.A. movies, but so many L.A. movies can take place in other cities and other places. Mm-hmm. Or Your P.I. draft were almost all L.A. movies. Great draft. They could have been San Francisco movies. I mean, one of them was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, they could have been San Francisco movies and very little would have changed. Yeah. Um, you can't say that about almost any movie that takes place in New York. It has to be a New York movie. So, Have you done a New York draft? No, and it's
2: another one of those topics.
1: There's a handful of topics that
2: um gonna do can't wait, a uh, rich vein, but are almost so big that we need to brainstorm how to break them up. I think if you just did blanket, even if it was what we call like a mega draft, which is usually our show is we do seven, sometimes topics. Uh, have yeah. more thirteen twenty; those are mega drafts. Even a twenty mega draft, which is the most we'll ever do in one sitting, and that still runs five hours. I don't know if you could do do that as a like New York is. I don't think you could capture. It. So I've I've played with <laughs> with doing decades, maybe right eighties um, New York movies seventies. Because as Kenny pointed out, with the different mayors, New York is a place that has really definable eras in sure. in history. Uh, and it looks and feels different, uh, given it in a diff, you know given the decade, even regardless of how you know film styles have changed. Uh, so um, probably we'll do decades, but I haven't totally figured out how to do New York yet. But I'd love to do New York. I'd love to do L.A. Like Kenny, I love an L.A. movie.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, and uh, so those are all things that will happen. Just need to figure
1: L- out the best way to break them up. The way I might consider going to L.A. is. L.A. non-entertainment and maybe non-PI. And then I wonder where right. – not crime, non-entertainment. I wonder where you'd wind up. Not crime, not That's entertainment would leave maybe four movies, but that
2: would be
3: a fun <laughs> – It's
1: L.A. story.
3: They all-star uh-huh. Steve Martin. Yep. Father of the Pride. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, I do think that and those – Nancy Myers is a fair amount of California. LA yeah. Movies, right?
1: well, yeah. I mean, well, the thing about L.A. is it's pretty much the default for everything. Right, like every movie is, is it, it, every movie is L.A. unless you know someone decides I'm going to make make a point of not right. having it in L.A. Well, you yeah, thought Spanglish would be on there. What, that's what I do, by the way. I, I, said, referring... I said everything in L.A. unless there's some very specific reason I can't. Right. Because I want to shoot in L.A. for one and two, <laughs> it's where I live. It's it's I've lived here for 15 years. I get it. And most most writers have, most directors have, most actors, et cetera, have. So. We get this world. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm setting something in eighties New York. I have something that's set in eighties New York right now, and I'm nervous about it. I'm nervous that I will not be able to bring to it what I would require as a viewer in another eighties, you know, New York yeah,
3: movie. I hear that. Well, uh, before we get to our John Goodmans, do we want to rate this? And uh Ooh, yeah. yeah. So I, do I have any do you have any other thoughts that you want to hit before we move on to... I might to have reading? some straight... I mean, I took notes. Okay. Please.
2: I might I mean, have some stray thoughts. Please. Do, do you guys do a stray thoughts segment? Absolutely. We stray do, we do we're right, now. We're, do,
3: we're doing it right now.
2: I like they use Sea of Love like the Jaws theme.
1: Um, <laughs> sea of Love.
2: Every, of every character love. actor, I just wrote a note with multiple exclamation points. <laughs> yep uh the woman who shows up with the balloons on on her wrists is a fantastic bit and she's like <laughs> crying on the couch with the balloons still on her wrist yep it's great very good very good <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, this is all no this is all we covered everything oh the end credits is sea of love uh tom waits at, covered. covered by tom waits yeah which yeah. is great
3: yeah um not and, a guy you'd expect to cover sea of love no
2: but it sounds it sounds, it sounds awesome yeah. uh and yeah just like once again Come the wet ass hour, I'm everybody's daddy. <laughs> Kenny, have you ever asked your cousin
1: about the wet ass hour? I have no doubt that he uses the term wet ass. Hour. <laughs> That's I mean He's he's uh. a cop in uh he's a cop in New Jersey and part of his uh, I forgot what the county's called, but but part of his jurisdiction is Newark. Mm-hmm. So that's even like more hard scrabble than 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 even new york that's right. that that's new york with without any of the charm there's not even like a sabaro's in newark so <laughs> uh <laughs> this guy this guy has spent a lot of time in the wet ass hour um, that's
3: incredible he's the coolest that's, that's like that's amazing he's like
1: he's the coolest guy Oh that's fantastic um
3: all right well, I didn't see this in eighty nine so I can't rate it then but before this podcast, I came in at this uh, at a seventy five but i gotta say uh this conversation has only made me like the film that much more um i'm I'm up to an eighty five now i think it's i think it's you know i i bump on on the ending just as much as as we all do um, it's it's not it's it's what it is, but Weirdly, it doesn't affect me at all because I think that the two scenes that come after, which we talked about at the bar and then subsequently in the street with, with, uh, with Alan Barkin, uh, make me forget all about that stupid shit where Michael Rooker sort of weirdly
1: threw himself out a window. <laughs> <laughs> You would, too, if Al Pacino rejected you. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, uh, so, yeah,
3: I'm, I'm at an 85. What about you, Kenny? I know that you went through more of an emotional journey. Oh, on this I sure
1: one. did, pal. So I was like, <laughs> I was excited because we've done so many of these 89 movies where I've just been like 99, like this just the best, like 90, 98, <laughs> yeah. like 97. Like these are like our favorite movies. Like, yeah. So I was kind of excited to have one that wasn't always that I thought was not that great. And the reason I smiled in the beginning was I was excited to like throw bombs and like be <laughs> clever. And I was like, Oh my God, I gave this movie a 54. I'm such a, I'm such a wild wow. man. Wow. It's not a 54. It's so much higher. I'm going to give it an 82. <laughs> I so rarely come up. I do occasionally come up quite a bit. Going up 30 points almost is unusual. That's kind of thing has happened on the podcast, but, uh, I really, I really would have liked to have watched this in a oh. theater with other people. Oh, yeah. And oh, it was a blast. I'm, yeah. I'm really happy we got to talk about it after. This is a great flick. I am, oh. I don't know what my, I don't know what, what I ate yesterday or two days ago when I watched this or what got stuck oh. in my craw, but this is 82 might even be low. But, it's, uh, it's great. Yeah. I, I, I think I love this movie now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Clay? Uh, well, okay, so strap in because I'm going to take you on a roller coaster ride. Um, so w- when I saw this years ago, it was very high, 80, 85, maybe up to 90. I checked my letterbox. I put it at a four and a half out of five stars at some point.
1: Oh, wow. there you go. But
2: I think that was bolstered because, again, zero expectations. And then it's something you never really seen before or since. And at that point, I didn't know anybody else had seen it. So it felt kind of like like I had it on my pick shelf at Sure. As 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 a video store employee I was like, this is a real At this point, even though apparently it was a huge Hit, <laughs> it felt At that point like an under the radar thing I got a little sure. bit of, you know, I felt kind of good Being like, oh, I got something you've never seen before Also bolstered a little bit like that Then I saw it in that situation At the Arrow On 35 with a full house Al Pacino's there That's just the perfect way to watch a movie yeah. Maintained, right? At like 90. Then I watched it Uh, For this And I was a little bit more critical of the ending And I was like ah shit I picked this movie (laughs) For the thing I recommended it To to Phil and Kenny Like this doesn't you know This isn't quite as good as I remember And I dropped a little bit We're down to like maybe 75 Or 80 and then like all you guys This conversation brought me back up again And I just because I want to Continue being the person who likes this movie More than anyone else I know I'm going to go with an
3: 86 love it all that's right that's great uh yeah. i mean listen i i awful I, dvd art i sent it to film. oh my god i think horrendous. That, that's i think that's one of the
2: reasons why its reputation evaporated because the home video art is abysmal
3: it's really bad but i i gotta say like this is just one of those films that i knew of it i you know certainly was probably gonna watch it someday thrilled to watch it for this um this was great um so let's let's do our top uh our top seven uh john goodman films um because i we did talk about john goodman a lot mm-hmm. in our sea
2: of love convo but i think we did undersell just how fucking fun right. he is in this movie he that's is why i kind of so wanted fun.
3: to hold on to some of this as we as we work our way around so i'll start at number seven um, i got barton fink at number seven uh i i like barton fink um, it's <laughs> uh oh clay's leaving <laughs> uh i don't I, I don't it's not one of my favorite cohen's I, I i i'm know that so that's... confused by 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 you right now
2: i've got hold on i've got let me
3: hold on <laughs> uh-oh is he pulling out a barton fink poster yeah i mean that's cool uh barton
1: fink's cool it's on my no, list no, no, I, i'm not confused by you clay i'm confused by you phil you only have so many cohen slots and yeah. he's been in a yeah. half dozen or more cohen's yeah and this is the one of the ones you picked and you don't even like it that much i do like it it's just not one of my favorite
3: cohen's the reason that okay. i put it on here is that it th- this is the thing that i grapple with with a with an actor like john goodman right which is a john goodman movie or a movie john goodman is in so the and and my list is sort of I tried to pick things that I felt he was very prominent in as opposed to just great movies that he happened to be in. I say this, I like Raising Arizona more than Barton Fink, but I don't really consider that a John Goodman film because John Goodman has like only a couple lines in it. So again, that's just me. I made my own rules for this. I'm not saying you guys need to. No, stick no, committed. no.
1: I, I think your rules are, are, are very fair. And I think we probably both grappled with the same thing. The thing about John Goodman is he's made so few movies that are John Goodman movies well um, yes. almost none um where he's number one on the call sheet so my list is, uh,
3: is a smattering of some and some that are
1: not so but, but all, right. all that being maybe said, maybe i haven't seen the ones where he's number one on the call sheet but um my i have one and i, I put it on there pointedly to make the point pointedly i think
3: i, I have a feeling i don't think that any of my f- uh, one of them
1: he's like two on the call sheet that's the highest he gets on the call sheet. I think so. All right, I have one where he's definitely the star, and okay. I, I but but made a point of it. Like I understand. John Goodman, John Goodman has starred in a movie before. I understand. Uh, I'll give my you... number seven. My number seven is
3: Barton Fink. I think it's a great movie. I think he's fucking great in it. I think it's a it's one of those like towering. John Goodman, the cohen Brothers, just making a giant in the frame, sweaty, and just this this behemoth of a person good fire
1: movie clay good fireman it is a
3: good fire it's a good movie. Fireman. that's true um but that's my number seven
1: what about you kenny my number seven is flight sure a movie i like quite a bit uh more than most people yeah. and john goodman is a total wild man in it and i <laughs> love yeah oh, yeah Yeah. no i, I his introduction it. in
2: that movie
3: is sympathy from the devil yeah all-time yeah.
1: Fucking wild! Um, I think he's a, gr- a great yeah. counterbalance to sad sack, fucking around, drunk Denzel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a weird choice for this movie. And in terms of like when you uh, when you cast John Goodman, you made a choice. Zabek has made a choice here, particularly for this role, which could couldn't have possibly been written for him. So uh, I, I do like the movie quite a bit, and I like uh, Goodman's performance in it, showing how wild he can get. Him and Denzel are partners in Fallen, right?
3: Together, is that... Yeah, they are in Fallen together, yeah. Oh, Fallen was one I wanted to
2: like more. Yes, that's right. Okay, Clay, what's your seven? Uh, Okay, so Flight is not on my list, although I do like him in that movie. Um, Looking at his filmography was weird for me. For all the reasons you guys said, he's not the star of that many movies, but he does have very memorable supporting roles in a lot of movies. He does. But also, I have not seen a couple of his big movies i have not seen matinee i have not seen uh king ralph okay so neither of those are on my list because i've not seen them even though those are two like he is the guy on the poster yeah
3: yeah movies
2: uh my number seven is arachnophobia good movie which is he has a you know he's got a relatively small part in, but it is easily the most memorable role Mm -hmm. in the film. And it's one of the few movies where he is a full-blown goofy cartoon. Aside from the movie where he played a literal cartoon character. But this one, like, I forget what his character is. He's got some, it's something like Gus or Rufus or something. Mm -hmm. And he's got his goggles and he's doing like a a little, it's like a weird voice. And he's got, he's, he it's he, he is belongs
3: so, in men in black in that movie. It's
2: a men in black character, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but it's the best part of the movie in a movie that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's easily the best part and very memorable. Uh and uh yeah, arachnophobia is my my number Arac-
1: seven. Arachnophobia to me also falls in with uh with uh, backdraft, the movie Clay has said mm-hmm. he recently watched, and that was a huge huge movie when it came out that was a movie that everybody on the playground was talking about did you see arachnophobia uh and it's it's a movie that's kind of been lost to time a little bit i I agree i I think that clay is a good movie to suggest to ryan (laughs) to play at the for the arrow yeah uh, arrow good and it's it's funny it's funny it's It's high energy
2: it's scary it's a good good it's not
1: uh it, it it's
2: delbert delbert is his character name
1: (laughs) of course it is it's unusual in that it kind of is something that uh that that tim burton might have made but is not like a tim burton movie at all yep no you know and i like i like that about it or like you know a joe dante movie but it's not like a joe dante movie either but it's but it's not so serious that it's you know exhausting it's a fun it's a fun weird horrible movie yeah uh not jeff bridges the dad is uh
3: Oh, who, is, Daniels, is, Jeff Daniels Jeff Daniels, Daniels yeah. uh, Frank Marshall did a, good, did a good job with that yeah, movie did do a good job with that movie uh, my number six is Sea of Love uh, we've talked about it <laughs> it's oh, a great
1: movie I didn't even, well, I didn't even consider it <laughs> <laughs> honorable mention Sea of Love what's your six Kenny my six is uh, a movie where John Goodman is the lead of the movie King Ralph <laughs> yeah. what a flick yeah. Clay, I I I implore you to watch it. It's oh, so I, much no, no, I absolutely will, yeah. It has gonna, uh, I'm sure it's gonna be a Hosley pick on Blink Check It has soon, the so. So best
2: about it. Yes, I think they, they? Had, yeah.
1: it has the best fucking premise imaginable. It's so stupid. Um, and it is yes, it is uh it is a movie that <sighs> I one day will emulate one way or another. Uh, I love the idea of some slob rising up way above his station and having all this immense, absurd power. And he's, and he's Goodman all the way. Uh, and, I, you know, that, that's interesting because it almost is a study in what it would be like if Goodman – or what it was like, I think, if Goodman played a John Candy role. Because that's yep. way more of a yep. John Candy role. And he kills it. He's awesome.
2: So, Ralph, uh,
3: yeah. the king. What's your what's your six, Clay?
2: My six, and again, I don't. Well, my list is going to be weird. Maybe um, <laughs> John Goodman is one of the great voice actors. That's true. And a movie that I think I have two animated movies
3: on. I mean, my I have list. one for sure.
2: Yeah. I've got two. Uh, I think we probably have one of the same ones. But at number six, a movie that I think is again. Mi- Viewed differently by people in different micro generations because it really came at a weird time, but I think one of the funniest animated movies ever made, The Emperor's New Groove. That's right, he's in that. I forgot he was in that. He is Pacha. Uh, it's him Shit. and David Spade. Uh, yeah. David Spade's best thing he ever did uh, is
3: playing yeah, uh,
1: Lost and Found. I guess
3: in this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. That's true. The '99 um, classic.
1: It. Yeah
2: incredible voice performance. Again, he always gives so much, uh, humanity and authenticity to these characters and just plays a sweet man, a great straight man role to, uh, David Spade's goofy character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And I like also that the character is designed. He kind of looks, he's, he's John Goodman proportions. So uh-huh. he brings, is able to bring that full as Kenny uh, described in this, like hug of a man yeah. energy to this character. Uh, and the great thing about Emperor's New Groove is not just that it's hilarious, and it is v- hilarious. Mm-hmm. It has genuine earned heart, and Goodman's performance is a big part of that. And it's hard to do that with just your voice via a
1: cartoon. And he does it better than most.
3: I, I, I have never seen the Emperor's New Groove, so I, I need to watch it. But you know.
1: And I have never seen it either. And it, it had this, did it just hit the 20th anniversary? Maybe? I believe so. It was
3: 2000 because, or
1: 2001, yeah. So, yeah, because very recently it kind of, you know, cropped up again on Twitter and on all the, uh, you know, the the corporate blogs I read. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I, uh, I kept trying to get my kids to watch it. And my son, who is nine, will only watch R-rated movies now unless I force him. And oh, my no. daughter, who is also nine because they are twins, claims she's seen it and then rattled – it's not even a claim, she rattled off the whole plot to me. And I, I'm like, I guess you saw it, but like, how is that possible? Because I'm the only one who shows you movies. So I will watch it with my, my three-year-old Cole when he's ready for Perfect. it. Well, okay. and it's,
4: it
2: is a bright, colorful, kooky. I think a little kid could enjoy it. Even if the joke writing is, is very in sort of a Muppets way. Like the jokes are for adults. They're very smart. And John Goodman, not even the most notable, uh, um, Patrick Warburton in this movie uh, is one of the great comedic performances of all time.
3: Uh, so... Gotta watch. It. I gotta watch it. High, high yeah.
2: recommendation from from me.
3: Um, my number five is a movie that was much maligned at the time and, and I would say by me as well until um, I listened to the Blank Check episode on it and was completely turned around on it. But Jupiter... Speed- Speed Speed Racer, Racer. number five. Um, Um, I think that uh, John Goodman absolutely understands what movie he's in um, and is bringing just I mean, first of all, he kind of looks like the character that he actually is emulating from the, the anime series. Um, but he's just, he's really bringing it. It's a very big, bolsterous, crazy role in a in a crazy movie. Um, and I just, I, I really love him in it. I, and I think that that movie is uh, is kind of a masterpiece. I'm not going to lie. I need uh, to see it again.
2: I remember the, the opening being one of the most exhilarating, it's brilliant insane. openings of all time that like, <laughs> All of the exposition, everything interwoven with that mm-hmm. crazy race. And I was like, this yeah. is brilliant visual yeah. storytelling. Uh, and then I remember the rest of the movie being a bit uh, not my seed, but I I would never besmirch. It's I
3: think that I saw it vision. on the big screen when it came out, and I truthfully I think I was just exhausted by it. It's a it's a really aggressive visual movie, yeah. and I just don't think that I really was able to process what was being put in front of me. Um, and subsequently, I'd love to see it again on the big screen. But Kenny, what's your five?
1: I oh sorry okay speed no, racer no 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 I, nothing I have no thoughts on Speed Racer except okay. that I considered it and didn't do it. Um, but my cool. five is Barton Fink. Because Barton Fink's an amazing film and John Goodman's amazing in it is one of my two uh coens. Um, I considered Lewin Davis, but mm-hmm. I uh, that great I think that's Davis. the one that's the one I crossed out when we decided to to have a mm-hmm. informal two coen limit. But um, I really uh, I really love Barton Fink. It's an awesome Hollywood movie. It's a great movie. What's great your movie. five, Clay? Uh,
2: sea of love. love is my five. Uh,
3: my four is another 1999 movie or not another a 1999 movie bringing out the dead uh um, mine too
1: phil oh, there you go wow yeah, um, right. look at us we i think we always
3: agree i think he's great i think that you know he plays of the three partners that nick cage has in that film he plays sort of the most sort of subdued i would say uh it gets increasingly more manic yeah. as as it <laughs> Um, but, uh, but he's kind of, there's something very sort of, it's one of the more kind of sad John Goodman roles. Like he's, he's kind of resigned himself in a lot of ways and he just wants to get the fuck out of this racket. And there's just a very, like, there's a, I don't know, there's a weight to to Goodman in the movie that I just, I, that I really appreciate. Uh, but
1: Are we all, all going to have the same top three? We might. I think we Oh. Well, you're not. I assume Clay's going to have Barton Fink at the top three. I saw the poster. Yeah, but uh, all right, keep going. I wonder what you're not. All gonna right, have so for.
3: so we both did bring out the dead for four, right? So what's we have a whole play? episode on it. Listen to it. Yeah, what's your four, Clay?
2: My four. I love bringing out the dead. It's been a long time since I saw it, so I didn't remember it well enough, okay. or how big his part was. Okay. Uh, it sounds like it's it, it should be high on my revisit uh, list because I do remember yeah. thinking it was excellent. It's, it's great, amazing. Um, Four. Oh, my four is my second animated uh, pick. A movie that I uh, was shocked and dismayed did (laughs) not do better on the screen draft. draft. (laughs) Pixar draft. For my money... I
3: got more texts from Kenny about that Monsters Inc. (laughs) pick. So angry.
2: (laughs) He was so angry. (laughs) A movie that has somehow become underappreciated, even though it is uh, top 3 Pixar for me Monsters Inc is, is yeah. my yeah. is my number 4.
3: It's it's a it, Monsters Inc is great and I think it's you mentioned it earlier when you were talking about um Emperor's New Groove but like it if John Goodman was an animated character it yeah. is Sully. Like he is it, it personifies everything that you believe about John Goodman.
1: Yeah. I want to make a point about that. Yeah. If John Goodman is an animated character. He is Sully because Sully is the aura of John Goodman. Yeah. But Sully is not an overweight character, Correct. which is really interesting to me. That Pete, that that Pixar and the guys who I think that was a Pete Doctor film, uh, or maybe Andrew Stanton. Can't remember one of the two. Dudes. I think that was the first Doctor Stanton. I think it's Doctor. I think it's so, the first Doctor. Okay. Yeah, uh, whoever it was, uh, picked up that the the essence of of. Goodman is a big, warm, cuddly, blue, very, very uh, efficient and very confident, very trustworthy and morally unambiguous monster. <laughs> um, and I love that. Uh,
2: he has what, the most trustworthy voice yeah, you ever. could possibly imagine. Yes. Sully. It's, it's higher
3: on my list. I assume it's higher on yours, Kenny. But, um It is. Uh my number
1: three is Ten Clo- Cloverfield Lane. Oh, then we don't have the same top three because you put Ten Cloverfield Lane on yours.
3: Um I yeah,
1: Phil, no, that I is guess.
2: also my three.
1: Oh, there you go. Wow, guys. Wow uh, Rose.
3: I think he's I think that movie's underrated. It kind of had a splash sort of moment when it came out in the sense that people were like, Huh, this movie's better than than people expected it to be. Um, I don't think people knew what to make of sort of the connection to the Cloverfield film. Uh they had subsequently kind of pissed away any goodwill people have towards this potential franchise, but uh, pop quiz: Do either of you remember the
2: title of the post Super Bowl uh, Netflix drop Cloverfield film? The Cloverfield Clover paradox? Paradox? paradox. You guys both knew it. Okay, well there you go. Not as good of a pop quiz as I as I assumed. Well,
1: what's annoying? <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to get over. My point was tr- that that movie was
2: forgotten instantly, but apparently, apparently, wasn't but originally
3: what, what, called that. It was called something particle. It, the, was, like, oh, it was like, it particle. wasn't
1: the God particle. It wasn't even I, a fucking Cloverfield I'm never going to get over how that horribly is. we did on the trivia for the Brock Howard because we're yeah. good at trivia. Yeah, we know. know our fucking shit. And like, this is, it was so, I mean, those questions yeah, I mean, were absurd. Those questions were hard, man. Anyway. yeah.
3: Uh, right. But 10 Cloverfield Lane is one of those movies that I actually just recently rewatched. Um, and, it's, you know, Dan Trachtenberg did a phenomenal job. It's a great looking movie. It's got a great vibe. And John Goodman playing against type in a way that felt believable and foreboding. And he had this, he's obviously a very large man. So like there is a a, a physical presence to him that's very sort of unsettling in the film. Um, yeah, but at the same time, you do feel that fatherly vibe. Like there's a lot wrestling inside John Goodman's performance in that movie. So that's my that's my uh, point. And it was I'm
2: casting not... that I don't know if anybody else could do that. I mean, every, everything you said, Phil, I think the movie's great. You need a guy who everybody uh instinctually likes and trusts because yeah. this guy is supposed to be scary, but then oh, is he maybe yeah. telling the don't truth? Don't give too much and away. He has to I've, he has to vacillate.
3: He's never seen it. So oh, Kenny hasn't seen it.
2: You this character has to vacillate and the audience has to has to kind of switch sides a few times. And yeah. I I think you need John Goodman for that, and he shows the range of being able to do that. Kenny, I think you would really I, like 10 Cloverfield.
1: I'd like to see it. I thought Cloverfield proper was not good. Yeah. Oh, it has yeah, nothing to do with Cloverfield. Yeah. yeah, no, I know. But it kind of stylistically, narratively, it's there's nothing to do with it. It's one of those things where it kind of just soured me on the on the the vision right the, the what they were doing because yeah. i'm a big fan of the notion of a very loosely interconnected world right the yep. the purge of it right yep. i'm crazy about the purge of horror it. story yeah man purge, yeah purge, yeah purge i never i mean the purge is awesome and they've really taken it like about as far as i would have dream they could take it right. because there's oh, the idea yes if this happens so in the whole good. country there's so many incredibly interesting stories that can go I have down like four
2: dozen go. ideas for perch movies
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that and, and 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 that's what's so cool about it right yeah. so i like i like that concept with the cloverfield world right if i'm not mistaken it's also it's just something that is happening while there's also a monster the, yeah.
3: attack happening. Correct. Correct.
1: Yeah. and And uh, maybe I will watch it because I, I, I think you really like it. Me, but um, yeah. I thought yeah, Cloverfield, um, very hat on hatty with with the uh, I get that yeah. the, the yeah. found the found footage and the monster attack. I think it forced a lot of things that um, irked me. One and of the Clo- few
3: movies to physically make me ill in the theater that I had to stop looking at the screen. The the shaky the cam-ness. original Cloverfield the original Cloverfield I, I I was
1: just like this is I'm gonna puke. <laughs>
3: anyway, so I,
1: I what's have your a, three Kenny my three is a movie I guess none of you guys have maybe mm-hmm. you do Clay even though I know one of your top two. Uh, Argo do we not like Argo in this room? <laughs> Argo was my
3: Argo was my uh, was actually on my list. Mr Hm uh, sea, of, sea of Love
1: uh, punted it from eight. Fantastic I think Argo is a great film. I <laughs> love Argo. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, it's interesting. Uh, there's been going around on Twitter that pick three best yes. picture winners yes. of the last, I guess it was since 1980. Yep. And everybody rightfully has Amadeus because that's probably, you, you know, know and, and Silence of the Lambs. I picked those Because those are, you know, two actual masterpieces that won best picture. And then after that, it is a bit of a what do you do next, right? <laughs> because, I mean, people have their favorites. People have movies they like that won Best Picture. But I'm not sure there's a, there's another movie that won Best Picture in the last 40 years that's really a, a, a unquestioned masterpiece, the way I think those two are kind of – maybe Amadeus isn't. I think it kind I, of – I'm on right. board with Amadeus, but I would also say Titanic and Parasite. And No Eric. Country. No Country is – I know yeah. No Country was your other choice. Parasite would have been my third. Um, no Country is a great movie, too. I love that movie. And, uh, and Titanic also, you know, you're a jerk if you don't love Titanic. Um, but I did notice, you know, you, you look at all these movies, and they do feel like a lot of movies that suffered by winning Best Picture. You oh, know, for can, sure. The classic example of, you know, the counterfactual. Is La La Land. How if La La Land won Best Picture, I think it would be the most fucking detested movie of all time now. But La La Land dodged a bullet by losing Best Picture. Huge (laughs) bullet. Now La La Land is like a nice flick. It's a nice, like a nice flick that people like are kind of okay with. Yeah. Um, and, but if it won Best Picture, it would be crash level, right? So I think Argo is a nice flick, a good flick that God knows how. Someone decided this is the year we're going to give best picture to a good flick. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think it suffered significantly because of that. Like people think it's like not even one of best Affleck's best, Ben Affleck's best movies, but it is. It's a really, really great movie. Um, so I, uh. I think part I, I of it is, is
3: also the, is also the, um, Terrio factor, Chris Terrio factor of like, that people was ultimately, like sorry? Well, tell me i don't know well he obviously he wrote argo it was essentially his one of his first produced movies if not his first produced oh, he wrote
1: movie. the town too
3: right but the town the ta- did he yeah okay maybe he did. So, long story short he wins the oscar for argo and then he basically makes two of the most despised franchise installments in batman versus superman and in uh rise of skywalker and i think that the 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 Perhaps the sour taste people have towards Chris Terrio has kind of bled over into Argo. I was unfairly
1: down. Sorry, my bad. Okay, but <laughs> but ultimately, I don't think that.
3: And, and Chris Terrio has tried to do what he can without burning bridges by trying to be like the first draft that I wrote. I thought was pretty good, but what was turned into these fucking movies is not. So like, it is what it is. But um, I do think that part of that has has perhaps had us put a stink on Argo a little bit, which is unfair.
1: I guess. But, yeah, I don't know. I
3: haven't
2: seen it since it came out. I remember liking it fine in the theater and John Goodman has a really fun part. He's he's great in the movie. Yeah, with Alan um, Arkin, I've never revisited great. it, but I don't have any I'm I don't have any ill ill feelings towards art. You
1: also don't have like a big need to revisit it. You saw yeah. the movie, you yeah. know what it's about. It does kind it's of stick movie. in your head. Yeah. It, it it's it's a very specific movie in all the best ways. It's fun, it's capery, yeah. great performances throughout. Um yeah. and winning best picture was just a fucking weird little thing that happened to this like good movie. It's probably the best
2: uh fake film production as a cover for something else going on
3: movie. Here's can I I have I have two things two quick things I want to say about Argo. The first is had Argo been directed by Clooney cuz he only produced it. Yeah, it would have been the
1: worst. Would it have been a bad movie? <laughs> of course it would have been. <laughs> <laughs> You by the you by, our worst living film director. Yes, it would have been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kenny, I take it
2: Suburbicon would not show up on your suburbia draft.
1: <laughs> I don't think so. You know, but I have like you know, the mm. ben, ben, Affleck, ben Affleck is by Monica Potter. So and it's he, he really it's, yeah. you it did pitch, pitch really, me a Ben Affleck trick. I Affleck, Affleck ben I versus Affleck. Affleck versus Damon. Uh, I would 100% mega mega, 100% mega, sign mega it for so that. 40, 40 flips. <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> Affleck is my pot. Like there was a right around the time of Argo, you yeah. know, the God Baby Gone, to- Town Argo thing, uh, I went hard on like the Ben Affleck redemption story is the greatest story ever told. And then and then <laughs> Back tattoo, again. <laughs> Jennifer Garner, Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, you know, it's he's he's a tough one, but like <laughs> I, I have, I have, I have such a such an enormous place in my heart for him. Where like the you know the Way Back comes out and, t- and is basically Good Ben on. Affleck being like, all right, this is me today. And it's just I'm like, yeah, Ben, I appreciate you putting that all out there. Yeah. So, um, and I and can I just I, say know, that that. Um,
3: the image, and I, and Lord knows who got this photo of him, but the photo of him at dusk with the towel, overweight, and the back tattoo, just looking
1: out at the ocean, is the <laughs> most Ben
3: Affleck that, that, photo that's ever been.
1: Oh no, it's the Dunkin' Donuts yeah. outside the gates of his mansion. Yeah, it's Phil, the, it's if the, the photo it, doesn't have Duncan in it, it's yeah, not the most iconic sure. it's that photo. It's that deep sigh. <laughs> it's that here we go again and i know that i know that saturday morning feeling you come in you got your dunkin donuts you're hoping that buys you like 45 minutes of calm with your 40 kids um but it's just it's Have like we figured I, out which which duncan, which duncan? Yeah. he goes
3: to every single day is there one in malibu because
1: it's yeah.
2: probably
3: that one uh, uh i don't know uh, anyway so um Two, Who, two. Who's wait, do we all do our threes? Yeah, you guys yeah, both have overfill. Yeah, overfill lane. Yeah, uh, my twos. Uh, Monster Inc. Uh, as great. is as is mine. It's 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 the best. Uh, it's John Goodman. It's one. And I think our number ones are probably the same. But what's your
1: what's your yes. number two? Well, I want to say one thing about about oh, sure, uh, Monster Inc. Uh, Monsters, Inc. Uh, Monsters, Inc. Is probably the most emotional I've ever been in a film. Maybe Toy Story Three, but Monster Inc was the, the end of Monsters, Inc. affected me like That's maybe no other, no other first first watch I can remember. Yeah. Toy Story 3 was a little different because I was just kind of blubbering throughout that movie. <laughs> but the end of Monsters, Inc. really affected me. And I was very, very mm-hmm. angry about your Pixar draft. The thing about the end of Monsters, Inc. It's that it
3: does two things, which ultimately are Pixar, you know, in its dna the first is a absolutely breathtaking visual feast of the door sequence of the chase through the doors oh, which is just yeah. how is that un- not become a believable?
1: ride how is that possible It's it it def- unbelievable. it
3: defies reason and then saying goodbye to boo is just yeah. like it's emotionally devastating <laughs> um so yeah what's your what's your number two clay uh, when are they going to do
2: a boo movie where she's an adult and it's like a, it's like a fucking hook thing where she's like, she thinks that Mike and Sully are like figments from, from her imagination as a kid. And then it's about her and her kid yeah. and Mike and Sully. I want to see that when? live when? action. Yeah. Why, why is that not being live action? Live action. Cool. The first Pixar live action animated. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like that's a good thing crossover. To uh, yeah. You know, the, the, that's like the, the, the. Off speculated Vivica A. Fox's daughter, Kill Bill, uh, Kill yeah. Bill Three. Yeah, where she actually goes back to get Uma which you know I think we're getting close to. That girl's yeah. probably in her early twenties. I yeah. mean, Boo, Boo would be
2: now twenty. She'd be 23, 24, If you just yeah. keep it consistent with Boo, be no reason to keep it consistent with the time with the real world timeline. But I would,
1: I would do it. Fucking live action. I think that'd be so weird and so yeah. much fun. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh so, all right. so you're number two, Clay. Been going back and forth on this. <laughs> I can only assume that you're vacillating between the two movies I think you are.
2: I'm sure I am. I mean, it's not fun if we all have the same number one, but I do think in well, some listen ways to your heart. Listen to, listen your, to heart. your heart. Okay, fine. At number two, I will put Barton Fink. There it is. Barton Fink. Uh, depending on the day is my favorite coen brothers movie that and really fargo, that and fargo go back and wow. forth i think barton fink is any is a master, is absolute masterwork. uh and john goodman he was nominated for
4: he's, he's it? Well, he should have been in that been case nominated. it is
2: the greatest injustice in the history of the oscars yes. that is a best supporting actor trophy if i've ever fucking seen one yeah, he's a force of nature. A, a, a singular character, but he has played singular characters in every Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that the one that's going to be our number one is just a bigger part. It almost feels like a co-lead at times. Yeah. Um, I, 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 We'll talk about that movie get to it. I think Barton yeah. Fink is a little bit undersung because uh, it's, it's a tough movie. It is a darker, weirder, more distant movie it's yeah. a little bit more mad it's a little bit more um ambiguous and a little bit more uh out not of this universe yeah and i yeah. think uh i think it it is a little bit more inscrutable which is what i love about it every time i watch it i try to i try to figure it out and i find that engaging yeah. and also just all the hollywood stuff is michael lerman uh yeah michael oh. lerman he won Lerner, for this, Michael Lerner. Lerner. My, Mike Michael Lerner
1: won. Did not win, but was nominated. Uh, he was, he was nominated.
2: nominated. Yeah. So
1: he was nominated. Uh, fucking. Um, that's not even my favorite. Oh wait, no, no. Um. Oh no, he was nominated for this. Yes, yes. yes he was, he nominated,
2: was nominated. Very deserved. Polito is so funny in this movie. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. Um. Monk. Chalub is incredible Monk. in this
4: movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I just he's also taken, say that? Uh, interest. Great, great I, stuff. Great movie. Goodman's great. Torturo's great uh they're all great i'm gonna forgetting uh the, the fraser's dad M- M- mahoney, oh, mahoney. John mahoney, john mahoney great they're all
3: great i, I think Davis, that, great. i think part of the reason that this film mahoney I was
1: in wasn't mahoney in the movie we just saw
3: it was spencer love spencer spencer yes they're You're easy right. to, to to yes to flip. Yeah. i think part of the reason that this film isn't one of my favorites is because uh, you know Anyone who knows the Coens know that they were writing uh, *Miller's Crossing*. They they had writer's block. They couldn't figure out how to end the movie, so they wrote a movie about writer's block, essentially. Um, and as a writer, watching this film just it, it just it it fills me with the dread that you have when you're sitting in front of a computer and you don't yeah. know. It's how, a horror you know, movie. It's a horror movie for writers, and I understand that that's why people love it. But it's also why. It sure. has never fully got in my veins in that way. If
1: you're, it, it, if you have a gut reaction to something, that's the best thing to sure. go off of. Yeah. I think you know. Uh, I love Miller's Crossing, and when you said Michael Lerner I w- thought I was thinking John Polito, and John Polito is so fucking good in everything so good. he does. He's my favorite. oh, he's
2: good, and he's good in the movie. We're going to talk about it. Number one, yeah, I mean, it's Big
3: Lebowski is number oh, one. We, I have the Babe. <laughs> If you did that'd be incredible. Yes. Big Lebowski, number one. Um, yes, Big Lebowski. You know Big Lebowski. I, the Big Lebowski is um obviously it's a masterpiece uh and and we all of us love it. Um the thing about Goodman in this movie is that for at least for me, um, is how fucking aggravating he is in this film, which is not a thing I generally associate with John. Right. Burton. Um he is Just
1: infuriating. He's so aggro. He's the most aggro fucking character.
3: But also, you know that he's just got a giant heart as well. Like, all of this is like, he loves the dude so much that his frustrations are in the fact that, like, the dude's unhappy or or whatever the case might be. It doesn't... The dude doesn't love himself. He doesn't... Exactly. Um, There's also something about him being a... a, a, (laughs) Jewish convert as well that I that I love um, how passionate he is about Judaism.
1: Uh, it's, it's just tremendous. Um, the the most passionate Jews are converts. Oh, oh, yes. I, oh yes. yes, yes, very very people true. people actually who actually buy into our bullshit. Yes, yeah. I,
3: <laughs> I, I think there is also just um, we only see Goodman bowl once i believe in the big lebowski and it's after like the shit has hit the fan and the way he's holding the ball and just standing <laughs> there smoking and there's i don't know he he's he personifies everything i love and i guess sort of hate about john goodman i don't know it's it's wonderful anyway
1: yeah talk. Well, i I, I am scared i think that you are right, so love and sort of hate i don't think you hate john goodman but i think what you're getting at is yeah. this could go real wrong yes like yes. like a, a, like A guy who has these traits could be the most just detestable human being. Yes. (laughs) Oh, Uh, and he's not. He uses his power for good, and he—that's wonderful about him. Yeah,
2: John Goodgan can make you find the lovable humanity in any character. No, and (laughs) I like this. And partially, it's maybe it's because of the 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 costuming and stuff. But this does not feel like a. John Goodman e character. This is yeah. like uh this is like a Nick Nolte character or something and John Goodman brings as Phil said that dynamism yeah, to an
1: Nolte character. Yeah.
2: Walter Subcheck is just one of the great film characters uh instantly iconic his every I mean, line is every line is great. It's just yeah and it is a bigger role than his part in Barton Fink. Yeah. So that's why I ended up going with Can I agree also with you guys and like, putting on.
3: I don't know that there's another actor that I could think of that could pick up a paralyzed person and drop them on the ground and I'd be kind of okay with it. Like... (laughs) I mean,
1: that's the movie, though. That's There's a lot... You know, the tone of that movie is doing a lot of work there.
3: For sure, but it's just like... Like, if Nick Nolte did it, you'd be like... This guy's a fucking monster. You know what pisses me off
1: about Big Lebowski? How great it is. And this is... How what? How great it is. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at. (laughs) What pisses me off about Big Lebowski is it came out basically in like the only window in American history where it would not have been appreciated. Correct. So everybody... And I, I... I saw Fargo in the theaters with my dad. It was immediately his favorite movie. I've never seen him react like that. He's like, that is a masterpiece. Fargo has since basically become my favorite movie. We went and saw a Good uh, Big Lebowski together expecting something like Fargo, yeah. and it couldn't be more different, and it was very jolting for all of these people who had just come to the Coens yes. through Fargo, because Fargo was... There were other Coen movies, Raising Arizona, you know, chief among them, that had a cultural imprint yep. but nothing was like fargo correct right and so fargo happened blew everybody to fucking bits and you just expected and this is another fucking crime caper with you know <laughs> incapable criminals too yeah. so you think it's going to be similar and it's nothing like that <laughs> and it wasn't enjoyed, it wasn't even that well reviewed at the time and it wasn't that you the the the, the viewings were not raucous and there was correct. no kind of communal feeling that you get from it now but if this if this movie the other time this happened for them was burn after reading which is a fucking much worse movie but also a movie that really suffered from coming out after you know their no big oscar their yeah. big oscar movie right yeah. so any other time if we had been a little more primed for this movie from the cohen's if we had yeah. been yeah and again not their fault that their first eight movies kind of flew under the radar but if we'd been a little <laughs> more primed for this
3: yeah yeah
1: And it it came out, people understood that, like, the Coens contained multitudes. I think that this would have had a much different 1990, I think it came out in 98, a much different 1998 than it wound up having, which is kind of like, in the moment, people pretend this isn't the case, but it's the case, it was a blip.
3: Well, I would say that the other film that had a similar situation, not obviously as much of a cult following, but Hudsucker has a similar feeling too, right? Which is, they had had the wind at their back a little bit. They had made Miller's Crossing. They had made Mm -hmm. Barton Fink. People were like, they're ready for the big time. Warner Brothers, and of all people, Joel Silver gives them a shit ton of money to make this pastiche 30s weird, quirky comedy, and the thing just lands with a fucking thud. And ultimately, you know, Fargo turns it around for them, but it takes years and it's like polygram and a bunch of independent in order to get Fargo to even happen. And then obviously, you know, the, the rest is history. But but I agree with you, Kenny. Like it's, the, I, I saw The Big Lebowski in the theater with a buddy. And I even, having seen some Coen Brothers films before this, was also flummoxed by the film. Like I was just, I specifically remember the moment in The Big Lebowski when the dude pulls out the kid's homework from, from the crease between the, the car Seat, and he's like <laughs> looking at it and he's perplexed and there's like all these grammatical errors and i remember thinking to myself i also have no fucking idea what's going on right now like yeah. it just it's it really is just but that's what's wonderful about it i came to it from a totally
2: different place which is i was minnesota te- i was 10 i was in minnesota <laughs> i was 10 when it was in theaters so i was not seeing it in theaters yeah. uh but i by the time i saw it in high school in 2000. Three two thousand four, it had become a cult movie. It, it that was a DVD release. beyond cult, This right? into yeah, yeah, yeah. in by two thousand three, this was an
1: institution,
2: an yes. institution. Yes. and I had been heard about it for years. It's like, oh, finally, time to see the Big Lebowski, the movie everybody says is brilliant. Outside of Office Space, is the funniest movie ever made, and mm-hmm. I watched it with that, I and I was fair. like, and I was like. I kinda like it I don't know I'm not sure but like with every Coen Brothers movie yeah. you need to watch it twice you need to watch it three times now yeah. in the course of my life I've seen it maybe four times and every time I watch it it scoots up my Coen yes. ranking it really is just a just a it's, it's phenomenal I have,
1: I have alright so before we end this podcast because yeah, sure, we can yeah. whatever where we want on this podcast it's our podcast uh, <laughs> it's what is the funniest movie you've ever seen in theaters Oh, boy. Hot Rod. I think Hot Rod. Okay. Hot Rod. Hot
2: Rod. The hardest I've laughed, and the audience was laughing, uh, was the first time I saw Hot Rod. I was uh, sliding out of my chair
1: laughing. That's a great answer. That's a great answer.
2: Like having to, I've said this before, having to intentionally stop laughing because I could feel myself getting lightheaded. Like okay, you have to stop laughing, or you're going to pass out. Having that thought,
3: guys, I'm going to have to pause for one quick second. There's a really big spider that just appeared. That- Erectophobia! That I need to kill. Hold on.
1: Yes. Hold on. Yeah. Keep the camera on.
2: Phil comes back into the room in full Delbert gear. Look at him go.
1: <laughs> well, this All is right. a perfect. What's the- job. Oh,
2: he has like a weapon. I thought he was going to go get like a newspaper or something. He's got a spray
1: sneaking up on it you should oh, shit tilt this, tilt this up dude what get it what so
2: he so Phil shot the spray and then I guess the spider f- fell down because then Phil t- went for the went for the
1: fucking double tap. Yeah, it's an inch. Yeah, is it it's gone? Interesting technique. Go spray, then I just I I, I don't have
2: a spray. Yeah, I just grab whatever is the the thing that most approximates paper nearest me and I just yes. whack it. Yeah. Give it a squish. Yeah. Hopefully there's a magazine I'm done reading or like a bill or something.
4: You
1: get it? Phil, did you get it? Oh he's running. I don't know he's running so fast. Either
2: he's running away to throw it away or the spider has now taken control of the of the desk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Phil, the Spider, had spider to comes make on his the podcast. Is like, oh, you know, back in '78, I saw the jerk in theaters. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah the Spider Hot.
1: What is going? What on? What the hell? Phil has returned
2: with is a different, with a different weapon of spider battle. If the spray didn't do it, <laughs> look at him. He, goes he up. Phil came back with a compressed air container.
1: Oh we should keep this on the podcast.
2: What is happening? And then he looked around the room like did I get it?
1: Now he's just walking back. All right, so ma- Phil's now returning think, makes me think this might have gone okay.
2: How
3: big was the spider?
1: All right, I think it's dead. How big was the spider, Phil?
3: It was like it was big and it and it like it was like big and black and I was just it was very unsettling. Did it have teeth a real
2: california spider i've never seen somebody employ um compressed air to battle and an oh that wasn't compressed before. air what that was, was raid that? oh but what, oh it had the little uh, yeah the little compressed air looking hose on the end yeah so you had
3: what was the first spray you used two different sprays yeah the first one was um this like moth Thing that we've been, we have a lot of moths. So I felt like I would. Uh, Spider's not going to get taken down by some bitch ass moth spray. <laughs> no, I know. I know. But, but yeah, I knew that it would get him up.
1: I get it. Yeah.
3: But I knew that it would get him down. And the raid, I didn't want to like go crazy spraying raid all over this. Interesting. So I, interesting. I to get them down. Yeah,
1: I I I, I question your story. I feel like if this was your real plan, you would have come back with this moth sprite and the raid instead of having to do that hilarious run that you did. I think the plan yep. changed midway through. Yep. Can he, oh man he doesn't check out, bro? <laughs> I'm like Vinny. It's like, oh, it's under uh, there's a secret compartment. Well, here's,
3: here's ultimately what happened. I sprayed it. I I really kind of drowned it in the moth stuff, but it was still moving. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I got to bring out the raid in order to really kill it. I That's think. reasonable. So, uh, so Kenny and I, while while you were um
2: doing Battlefield, Kenny and mm-hmm. I were talking about how we would just we would just sma- we would just smash it. We'd just smash that spider. But you They'd prefer a chemical based uh Addictance. execution.
3: Well, because my fear was that it was Distance. like a black widow or something, and I didn't want uh-huh. it to bite me. Oh, okay. I mean, look. No I'm on board with that. that.
1: Yeah. You so guys I, are gonna leave this in, right? Yeah, no, this is all staying in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm give a shit. Um all right. Well funniest movie but, Phil, funniest movie you've ever seen in theater. Oh,
3: um I think bridesmaids might have oh, been answer. Answer. might have been the one that had the most like boisterous. And part of it, I think, a little bit was um, I went to see like it was it was an early screening, but it was like a week before or something like that. So I think it was a lot of like people weren't really sure what this movie was type of thing. Whereas had I seen it in the theaters, I don't know. It was. But yeah, no. Pe- had I seen it regularly, which I did. But um, afterwards, yeah. yeah, it was just a, it was that, was that a
1: gut buster.
3: That's a gut buster. What about you, Kenny?
1: Borat. Sure. Sure. Borat was the funniest movie I'd ever seen in the moment I spent the entire movie in a puddle. (laughs) Um, I wish I got... I am
2: allergic to pranks. I hate pranks. I hate when people uh, are tricking unaware parties. So Borat, I respect the Mm -hmm. hustle, but it makes me so uncomfortable that I have a hard time, unless they're pranking someone who's like out and out. Sure. Horrible racist, like when he because there's a few times in those movies, and particularly in Bruno, when he is pranking people who I don't necessarily think deserve to be made uh, look like the world's biggest buffoons on three thousand screens. That makes me a little bit uh, uncomfortable. But that's just my thing. I don't like Punked either. Or um, what was the thing? The thing where they hurt where they hurt themselves. Uh, Jackass. Jackass.
3: Where
1: they hurt themselves.
2: I never liked Jackass. I just have a personal aversion to pranks
1: I, I i hear you and i generally agree but i i think you kind of answered the you know or, or filled in the blank for me which is i think the people in borat really deserve it and it's <laughs> yeah. so it's so cathartic by and large yeah seeing yeah. these racists getting their comeuppance in the way they do like like lulling them into a false sense of security uh to be as racist as they want to be as Fucking so it's so gratifying. Yeah, as someone who always suspected, that's what happened in those, mm-hmm. in those behind those closed doors. To actually see it, mm-hmm. it's like that plus the humor of it, plus the character. It's and it, the, the the bigness of it. I really and I Borat was my least of the three, my least favorite character on that show, which I love. But the movie, he's the he's the best one for a movie. Yeah.
3: All right. All right. Well, that was great, guys. The flip. Uh, Awesome. Thank you so much, Clay, for showing yeah, up. Thanks, to talk Clay. About, uh, hey, uh Good hang. Sea of Love. Hey, guys. I'll yeah. catch you later. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> when we were talking it's about later. Sea of Love? <laughs> yeah. 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 Sea of Love, about, I don't yeah. know, 45 minutes ago? Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much, Clay, for showing up uh, for this. And we hope to have you back in the future for, I don't know. We'll find something else. It'd be great.
2: Anytime, yep. guys. If you can, yeah. Anytime you dig up some fucking weird movie no one else likes, I'm I'm your guy. Oh,
0: Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. shopify.com work. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered.